0: what's going on everybody i'm kevin from cigar prop and each and every week we come to you live on the i tap that cigar show on our youtube channel we interview someone fun and exciting in the cigar world and then about a week later we upload that audio to various podcasting platforms that's what you're listening to now we try and cut out a lot of the stuff that won't make sense because you're listening to it instead of watching it But if something doesn't make sense and you want to watch it, in the description is the link that will take you to our YouTube so you can watch the interview instead of listening to it. But if you want to continue listening to it, thank you, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the I Tap That Cigar Show presented by Corona Cigar. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Shahan, and I am coming to you live from the Drew Estate experience acid studios here on the sunny gulf coast of Florida. it's a little chilly it's a little wintry right now but uh it's, it's not as bad as care care Viajante of stogie road cigars is always my co-host care how you doing tonight
1: not too bad it's a little bit chillier up here in uh the stogie road studios in greenville south carolina nestled so nice in the foothills of the uh, uh right on the border of north carolina
0: Right, right on, right on. It's a uh, uh, lucky I'm in my office. It is 75 degrees, 47% humidity, and it's absolutely perfect. And as always, joining us in the background is producer Jessica. Jessica, uh, welcome. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us as always. Um, Hello. Don't do, don't do a, uh, don't make Abe wish Paul was here. <laughs> um, so uh, do, do, <laughs> a, do, a, do. You don't have to do great. You just got to do better than Paul.
1: Is, um <laughs> yeah. he, came, he came right out of the gates just like
0: I I, I all I over your ass, Jess. Like, yeah, you know, I,
1: don't I, I, don't do bad.
0: Yeah, don't don't do bad. We got <laughs> it's a pressure. I feel the pressure tonight. Uh from uh, uh we got we got two men on that uh I can tell you right now, everybody watching, listening in the future, these two men that we're gonna have on the night, I wouldn't be here. I I really would not be sitting in the studio talking to you right now if it wasn't for these two guys so before we bring that on we're going to get right into the uh, the cigar medics humidimeter cut and light remember with the cigar medics humidimeter you'll always know when to hold them and know when to smoke them and tonight i am smoking the florida sun grown in the Bellicoso. it is absolutely the perfect size and it is 65 percent. and that's right where i keep all my cigars in my uh, my daniel marshall fsg humidor
1: um care what are you uh what are you smoking tonight i am smoking a Sandella, the san andreas candela barber pole oh right on right on nice uh mixture of grassy and some a little bit of spice
0: that is a, a fantastic fantastic cigar and uh jessica what what is it that you decided to smoke tonight oh you were smoking the uh, uh the fsg in a um uh, a toro I believe what mm. looks like yeah. over there yeah. So, tasty tasty tasty. Yeah, so I was going to grab you that uh, that trunk press, but I, I know you're like hit and miss on a trunk and box press. So I don't know, they just don't like me. <laughs> I, I, it's like how I cut them or something. They yeah. always screw it up. So and then uh, uh speaking on, of uh, I and, don't know. Sp- and speaking <laughs> of a fl- uh, of the Florida Sun Grown, make sure uh as you're smoking a Drew Estate cigar, um uh, you're l- downloading the Drew Diploma. Actually, no, we don't have to say that. Don't download the Drew Diplomat app. They got the whole new thing. They're doing the beta testing right now. Go to the Drew Estate website. You can sign up to be the beta tester. They're taking it off of an app. They're putting it more on, um, you know, where it's just uh, basically you can just put a, a, a web tag on your phone. So it'll be a lot easier. They can update all of the uh, the cigars will be there now, and it'll be a lot nicer. And What's that I at? thought they I thought they said that they it was only about three hundred people doing the beta. Yeah, I don't know how many they got uh, yet. Okay. So so check in uh, message Joe Groh or Jack Hire if you want to get on the beta testing if that's not up on the the site and if it's not full yet. Um. So all right, before we bring in our uh, our guest tonight, I'd like to take a moment to thank all of our uh, show partners: uh, J C Newman Cigars, Cigar Medics, Amendola Cigars, Simpler Hair and Beard Color. Great Lake Smoke Show, Excelsior Tobacco, mm-hmm. La Aurora Cigars, Corona Cigar, and of course, Drew Estate and Experience Acid. All right. So waiting patiently in the Experience Acid green room is Jeff Borshowitz of Corona Cigar and Abe DeBabna of, of Smoke In. And on a side note, Steve Saka taught me how to say both of their last names. He, uh, <laughs> he, he, he really did. Steve Saka, he <laughs> called me up one day. He knew I was having problems with it. And he goes, listen, it's easy. And then once I heard it from Steve once, because he kind of yells at you every time he talks to you, um, even if it's about something nice, you tend to remember what Steve told you.
2: Uh, <laughs> what's going I, on, guys? I got—I got I to admit, Jeff Jeff wins that award because I really thought <laughs> my name was hard growing up, but
3: now you. Yeah. Abe's looks like – the way it sounds is the way it's spelled. Mine just looks like alphabet soup or SpaghettiOs that just got mixed up. It's, like, all over the place. Listen. But doing good.
2: Yeah, mine's very phonetic. In fact, I'm going to tell you something, and we laugh about this all the time. You'd be surprised how they screw up Abe. (laughs) Like, if I I go – no, I'm not kidding. My wife and I have this whole, like, (laughs) like, like, like joke about this. Like, when I go to Starbucks and then they ask me for my name, I always say Dave. Because it's just easier, right? Just call me a Dave because I get – a B, you know, <laughs> you, oh yeah, A B, oh yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> just a simple A B E, ninety percent of the time, and you wouldn't believe it, but it's true. Hey,
0: A-Ron. Hey, <laughs> yeah. A yeah, A B A B E, yeah, what what is what is what is that? So it happens all the time. I, I yeah, I, I get that. You know, I'll give someone is Kevin. Is that with a K? Versus what? Versus <laughs> right. what? Right. You know, and um. And then, and then my last name, Shehan, is actually the first name of girls like in the Middle East. Well, and I found that out. Someone, uh, a friend of mine, came over from the Middle East. Like, oh yeah, there's a lot of girls with your last name, Shehan. That's our first name. I'm like, oh, that's weird. But it's probably but, uh, pronounced it a little bit. I don't know. I, I didn't. I, did, I didn't ask how he pronounced it. Yeah. yeah. Sean. So, uh, so, so, guys, what are you guys smoking tonight?
2: You want to go first, Dave? Well, I'm paying tribute, my brother. This is uh, your your cigar that you just put out. Your black and black. Oh, still right on. Still got one of my bo- you know, some from my first the box I took from the day you were there. So I think I got down to about four or five sticks.
3: Oh, right, right on, Jeff. What what are you what are you smoking tonight? So because I figured you'd be smoking that, I spoke. I've got a cigar made by Espinosa. Um, we haven't released this yet, but it's uh it's this um, Constantine that we've done with. Uh, Oh, the so, Sigma Chi fraternity. Oh, I like the
2: band. So that yes. is
3: that
0: is Espinosa.
3: Yes. Yeah, so this is a okay. this is a charity cigar we're doing to raise some money for my fraternity in uh, college, and we're gonna uh, do some scholarships for the military Sigma Chi's and some uh, one of the firefighters here locally that uh, uh, took his life, and uh, we're gonna have a scholarship in his name. Wow. So, uh, so, that's 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 so, uh, so, so that's something Jeff- new. So, so that's gonna. It's not out yet, but we're it'll be out soon.
0: Jeff, now uh, while I'm thinking about it, if you have any of that information, Jessica and I are going to be smoking that cigar tomorrow, because because I know it will be in the premium uh, cigar of the month club.
3: Yeah. So we're yeah. going to
0: smoke that cigar. We'll, I'd like to talk about that a little bit, and then sure. So if you have that info later on or tomorrow, you
2: we'll know, we'll get I'll, it to you.
0: Yeah, and then uh, that way we can we can talk about that. So so awesome. And I had heard from I thought I heard from someone when I was up at your place that it was uh, Espinosa.
3: Yes. So, so that dude. that that cigar we could we could uh, talk about. There there's another cigar that Espinosa made that we can't tell anybody.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, that that is one that and uh, that I have never di- divulged that after I learned about
3: that. But we'll let we'll let that <laughs> one go.
0: Um, so we're gonna we're gonna get off into the, the thick of things. Starting off a little bit not on the the cigar side um, on the Broadleaf Bullies podcast. Uh, uh, Care his wife Jen Jessica and I do uh, every Sunday night. Um, we got on a topic, and, and I'd like to get your guys' opinions because that kind of goes into shop etiquette as well. Um, dogs everywhere we go nowadays, there are dogs everywhere, and I think it's getting out of hand. Now, I, you know, I don't think I've, I've ever seen a dog in either of your lounges. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a dog in a cigar lounge. Is it, is it, do you think it's getting out of hand? And then, it, or is it? is it allowed in your shop? Um, Jeff will, yeah, we'll have you go first. All
3: right. So dogs, listen, I'm a dog lover. I got two dogs right over there, but, um, the first thing that comes to my mind, the problem with dogs in the shop is that we get, we, we can get sued for anything. I mean, there's people that make, make stuff up just to file a lawsuit, you know, uh, literally I, I, I sat on my bar stool and I kind of stubbed my toe on the table. So therefore we're suing you yeah. type of thing. Right. And what scares me about dogs in the shop is that, you know, we have rocking chairs in our stores too. And so I always oh. were like, you know, <laughs> if a dog gets his tail, like, you know, somebody steps on it or gets a rocking chair or something on it, you know, a dog's natural thing to let you know, Hey, get off my tails. He's going to bite. Right. Yeah. So I'm not a fan of it. Uh, unless it's a really, you know, a, 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 true service dog. Um, if they're outside doesn't bother me, but inside I just, I, am afraid of, of just something going wrong, you know, stepping on the thing. And and then now we got a problem. So, um, we, unless it's a service dog, we don't let it, let it in the shop. Um, and that's, that's our reason. Just, we do, we don't want to have a, have a, a, you know, somebody claiming they got bit by someone's dog. All
0: right. Right. Right on. Uh, uh, Abe, what, what are your,
2: I mean, look, the whole animal thing across the whole thing, like I think I made a comment once about, you know, people bringing dogs on planes, right? You know, and now you get like a service dog certificate for like a hundred bucks online these days. So, um, And I'm a dog lover. I mean, I've had three dogs in my life. Unfortunately, my kids are, two of my kids are highly allergic. So we we, we experimented a little bit early on and it didn't work out. Um, I'm a big dog fan. In fact, I opened up four, four or five of our, of our locations. I built with one of my dogs who was basically a cigar shop dog. Um, but a lot of it has to really do with how the dog is, you know, we don't have a, like a lot of circumstances, but we do have some regulars who bring in their dogs and if the dog is trained and is under control and under a leash and doesn't obstruct or interfere with anybody else's enjoyment of the lounge. It's not a problem. The problem arises when you have someone who's just so oblivious I've, I've been here once where I've sat in my office and a dog has just ran into my office. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Ever. I'm like, what the F is this? Dog just runs in here, you know. So that stuff, we we, we we stop immediately. You can't control your dog. My, my dog, the, the one that I built five stores with, was never on a leash. That dog followed every verbal command to a cue. In fact, we used to have this trick once where, you know, you'd shoot her and she'd play dead. And then there was a commandment. She'd get up. You know, yeah. you could throw food at her. She wouldn't move. And then you give the right command, she'd move. And one time, I had left during the day, and my employee actually wanted to show off, and he did this trick. And then he calls me. I'm like, "Hey, listen, man, I, I, I did this trick. Your dog's playing dead, and I forgot what the cue is. She ain't moving for nobody. <laughs> and, like I had to tell him. So, yeah. you know, if, if the dogs are there and they're under control, it's not a problem. But the problem is today is people just aren't conscious are conscientious of what's going on. And they think that the dog could just have free reign and do what it wants and runs in the shop. And you can't do that because even on top of that, you know, I mean, luckily like our shops these days have enough room, but there are people out there who are allergic to dogs. Yes. So even if you have I mean, a service dog, you have to be conscious that you need to be able to control that dog in that area where someone who's has an allergy has the ability to come in, enjoy the shop, do what they want to do without being exposed to that. So it's just a balance. It's just like anything in life. There's a balance. There's a balance of good and right to where it starts crossing over to becoming this is just wrong and absurd.
1: Now, Kevin, I was at a... When we had this conversation, <laughs> uh, and it was just a few days ago, and then on Sunday, every single store we went into, there was someone with a dog. It was four stores. It was back to back to back to back. And... um I've only seen a dog in one uh, couple, but recently um, here in Simpsonville, someone had a dog in the cigar shop and someone stood up and it started barking at the person and kind of lunging at him. And the owner was like, you out Just get good dog out. Can't have that. Can't disrupt our, our customers. We don't know what it's going to do. The guy's like, it's a nice dog. He's like, I out I, I, outside. That's what, that's what everybody says
0: before they get bit.
2: You know? Exactly that's the one problem with dog lovers is that they're so like, just, Oh, it's okay. Right. I mean, you're yeah. so obtuse to what's okay <laughs> publicly and what's not. And that's where, you know, you run into a problem. And, you know, we've had guys who look, like, who said, look, your dog can't come anymore. And they stopped coming to the shop and that's what happens. So be it. Yeah. You yeah know what? If
1: mean- you're, if you're a dog lover though, you, you should understand and respect uh, the whole concept of having a dog under control on a leash. What's appropriate. What's not appropriate. Cause I've had dogs my whole life. We have a dog now. Um, and I'm probably when, especially when my kids were smaller, was always very conscious and, uh, protective and teach them the right ways to approach dog. Especially if you want them to pet, ask someone to pet their dog, close fist, don't open hand, you know, let them sniff you the back of your, the back of your hand. And then you start petting.
0: Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's crazy. But, um, uh, so I just thought I'd get everybody's, you know, your opinion on that, whether they're allowed in the shop. Like I said, I know some shops uh, um, open, you know, they welcome them. Some shops, uh, um, like, no dogs. But we want to get into tonight's conversation with, uh, like, the everything behind the scenes of what goes on at Corona Cigar and Smoke Inn. Not necessarily talking about cigars, talking about, you know, uh, um, your day-to-day business per se, but the people uh, behind the scenes. Uh, You're both married uh, to a couple of uh, uh, wonderful women, uh, Tanya um, and... And I, I couldn't find Tanya on Facebook. I needed a picture, but, uh, I reached out to Brandy <laughs> and, uh, and I reached out to Brandy and Brandy sent me this amazing. Ador- Look at them little tiny. Same dimples. Face. The, isn't it though?
3: Yeah. Same that, face. That wow. is
0: uh, um, uh, you, you guys and, and me and care, we, we are so blessed. We, we, the four of us having such amazing women in our lives. Um, can you guys briefly tell us like how, you know, how you met your wives? Um, Abe, how, how did you, how did you meet Brandy?
2: Um, I met Brandy. I'm trying to decide whether it was before I decided to actually stay here or not. But, my, you know, my story is I came to Florida on vacation and I never went back to Chicago. And I met Brandy literally my first two weeks I was here in Florida. Um, literally, first two weeks. We are out to dinner. We sat, uh, met her at a bar. We were having cocktails. And... It was like some instantaneous click. Now, she was 19 at the time, right? I'm 26, so she should have even been in that bar. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, we had this instantaneous click, and as we're talking, I'll never forget, man, she was like massaging my – she wasn't just holding my hand. She was like massaging it all night. And we talked like for two and a half hours. I remember I asked her out, and she said no. I asked her if I could take her to dinner. She said no but then said I could take her to lunch. I guess dinner was too formal. Yeah, and she, actually, and she actually carted me that night. I had to show her my driver's license because she didn't believe I was 26. Um, and uh, we stayed friends for many, many years. I, was, I actually ended up taking her to that lunch. The restaurant was Pescatory on Clematis Avenue, West Palm Beach. It's no longer there. Um, took her to lunch, and we stayed friends for about five years before we started dating. And... Um, you know, I, there was a lot of things along the road. I just, I just, you know, sometimes you look back in your life and you just think that was really supposed to happen. And and luckily with, with Brandy, I mean, just like everything kept leading that direction. It was, it was inevitable. She was going to go to the Air Force at one point. Like she was going to go to the Air Force. She was, I, I tried talking around. What are you going to go to the Air Force for? And she was adamant about going to the Air Force. And she had an incident, an altercation with her sister at one point. She had gone home to Orlando to visit. And actually got arrested. <laughs> like literally, her sister called the police on her. She got arrested, called me from jail that weekend. I was like, what? And that screwed up her actually going to the Air Force. I mean, so you when you when you look back upon it, it just seemed very serendipitous, you know, manifest destiny that we were gonna end up together. So I was very fortunate with this.
0: Right. And, and and Jeff, how did, how did you and Tanya? Cause, uh, uh how, first of all, I mean, I, I'd love to get Tanya on the show sometime, but Tanya wasn't born here. How did Tanya get here? And then how did you two meet?
3: So Tanya was already here. She was working at a restaurant next to my store in Okoe, and, uh, man, I heard her voice and I was like, you know, I mean, like most people, I'm like, man, what is, she's got this cool accent, right? And a beautiful woman. And, um, you know, and I tried to, uh, I tried to entertain her with my best, uh, William Wallace impression oh and boy. she, and she was not impressed. She didn't even know, she, she didn't even know I was doing that. She's like, "What's this guy? Why is this guy talking like an idiot? Right. And so, uh, that was a crash and burn. Didn't work. Um, and then believe it or not, what, what saved me was cigar boxes. She thought these cigar boxes that we had at the store were so cool, the empty ones. And so, um. I was, I was in that restaurant getting lunch and she's like, she's like, Hey, can I get some of those empty cigar boxes? I said, sure. Sure. I'll, I'll get you as many as you want. So when I went back to the store, I got really busy and I, I couldn't go back there for like four hours or something like that. And she thought I got in trouble because she thought I, you know, I worked there and that, you, Oh man, he's going to get fired because he's trying to bring me empty cigar boxes. Right. So, uh, so anyway, so I, I came through with the empty cigar boxes and, and that was the icebreaker. So, uh, I always say cigars, and in this case, cigar empty cigar boxes open a lot of doors, and uh, you know you meet the wonderful people. So Tanya was already here. She's from Scotland, from Glasgow. Um, Her father was an American U.S. Navy man, so she was actually here uh, in the U.S. before I met her. So I didn't I didn't meet her over there. There's not there's you know so, uh, but anyway, I I, you know destiny and things work out, and we we've been great life partners as well.
0: I, I remember I remember the first time meeting uh, um, um, uh, Tanya at the barn smoker and she was talking in a crowd and and I didn't understand because like she she doesn't look Scottish right you know and then she's got this and then I'm like I don't like my brain hurt I'm like looking I'm like yeah I, I don't yeah. I don't understand what I'm looking at I don't I don't I don't <laughs> yeah. get this and then it, <laughs> right. and then like you close your eyes and you hear it like
3: okay. Right. Yeah. The reason your brain hurts is that when she speaks, you're expecting like a Latin accent, but it's just yes. heavy yeah. Scottish brogue. So you, so really, it's your brain gets confused because. But but it's like if you just close your eyes and think of like Shrek or or Fiona. <laughs> Or any of these Scottish characters, and, and you're like, oh, now I get it, because that's the accent. Whenever they do that in these yeah. these characters, in these, uh, if you notice any of those animated movies, they always have a Scottish character because yeah. the accent is. Uh, there's something about that. That's a Glaswegian Scottish accent, by the way. And um, it's just, yeah, it's so. Yeah. So once you, if you close your eyes, you can figure it out. You can listen, but if, otherwise, 99% of people are totally confused at first. Because it yeah. can't, you know, they, they're like, what the hell is she saying? And then Tanya's favorite line is, you know, if you say something that in a like her British or Scottish word for something like trousers and we say pants or whatever or whatever, or you pronounce something wrong, she goes, remember, you're speaking English, you're not speaking American, speaking English. So the way she says it is right, yeah. you know. So, <laughs>
2: anyway, I, I just want to say, before getting started, something about Tanya and Jeff. So, you know, to Jeff, Jeff is one of the guys as as my career advanced that I actually looked up to, right? Because you know he was in my home yard and backyard, and I don't think Jeff will even remember, but I actually remember the trade show, right? Because I was, you know, when you come up from being nothing, a nine hundred square foot store, I wasn't one of these guys who built something elaborate from day one. My growth was very organic, but. You know, when you start out with a nine hundred square foot store, and you go to a trade show, and it's not till years later you find out that you get invited to dinners and stuff because no one knew who you were in the beginning. You're like, "What? There's dinners here? Oh my god!" Right? Right? So, <laughs> I forget the trade show where literally Jeff tapped me on the shoulder. Um, I'm sure he doesn't remember, but he literally tapped me on the shoulder. He goes, "Hey, you're Abe, right? You get that those shot that shop smoke in in South Florida, whatever, right?" And I was like yeah, it was nice to meet you. It was a very cordial, very friendly invitation. But like for me, that was the moment like, oh, wow. You know, people starting to know who the hell I am out of the blue. So I never forget that moment. But Je- Jeff and I have good friends. And I just want to say Tanya and I are probably better friends. I think <laughs> I talk to Tanya more often than I talk to Jeff. <laughs> yes. I mean, she's awesome. True. I-, I love yeah. Tanya. I can't say enough about Tanya. She she is great. And um, you know, it's it's not just uh, fluff. I mean, we we actually are friends and we get along and, and Tanya is just somebody who I completely admire and respect in the cigar industry. She she's a force to be reckoned with. I think most people don't recognize it and know it and they should sure. I do. <laughs> oh, I know you do. I I, do. I, I do. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I do. After seeing her like the barn smoker, that was I mean, just to see her, I mean, I mean, take control of anything, and it's like yeah. wow. This little woman is a powerhouse. Yeah, man. she's a force. You she's know? A
2: force <laughs> you know? now, listen, I'll tell you something interesting, too. Cause, uh, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, did a, a little modeling and acting and whatnot. And she had this role where she had to actually speak in a Scottish accent. And um, there's actually a way they teach you Scottish accents to speak in American language. So, for example, and I find this very funny because I use it all the time. If you say rise up lights real fast, the word like rise... Yeah. lights, that's razor blades in a Scottish accent. Oh, okay. Try it. Rise of lights. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how they teach, like, little kids uh, to an accent. They literally teach them how to say the American words that sounds.
0: Hey, Yeah.
2: Let us go and buy some rise of lights. So uh, no,
3: know, Tanya just corrected you because you had it more like a <laughs> one of those Cockney accents. Yeah, God, I don't was, know. That's
2: what it was. It was Rise up lights." You gotta say it fast. You know, go buy some yeah, Rise yeah, up lights.
3: Yeah, Tanya. Tanya's really. She's like straightening you out. She goes, "That's English." Tell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a true story though. True story about the Scottish accent. Tell them raise is with a U. up Okay, so <laughs> so, anyway, so here's the truth though. Glaswegian is a really these guys. You ever been around like Jamaican guys that can talk, to, you know, to each other and they can't? You can't understand a word they say. Yeah, said? yeah. If you get some people from Glasgow, really start putting it on, you won't understand maybe half of what they say. So when they're speaking to Americans and stuff, they really do. They they kind of do a like 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 we're you know stupid or something they kind of they, they talk like we're three years old and, and, and like so that we can understand what they're saying because if they really start doing it like you're supposed to you won't understand a word actually there's a show if you really want to hear the true accents on it it's called uh, uh, still game s-t-i-l game funny 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 skit done in Glasgow that's the true Glaswegian stuff wow oh, man. and Abe you, you would love that show too because it's right up your alley for humor I'm going <laughs> to check it out
0: and, and then care he just gets the uh the, the South Carolina, the uh uh yeah, I, I've been to South listen to the people talk sometimes when they get going. But well, you gotta go if you
1: go down in the south, like down outside of Charleston, uh the islands right off the coast, um, they had uh, French settlements and the French and um uh the African dialect they call gullah. And they and and if you've ever listened to two people speak gullah. To each other, I can't understand a word that they say. That's and, intentional,
3: by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: it's it's a hundred percent crazy. Uh, it's in that south area, right off the uh, right off the coast uh, of Charleston. There's a couple little islands, that even on on the on the coastland, um, you start speaking Gullah, and it's 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 confusing.
0: <laughs> I, I can I can only imagine with them two dialects. Wow. So, um, so speaking, speaking of the wives, um, so they're, they're I, you mean, I've talked to you both privately and then your wives, our wives, our biggest supporters, we couldn't do this without them. Um, what has been, what do you think has been their biggest, um, struggle or frustration with being married to, I mean, I don't even want to get Jessica in on this. She'll take the rest of the show on why she's frustrated with me, but just uh, um, to, to, to such <laughs> driven guys and like, and then. Like ten years ago, what was their biggest frustration, and then maybe now, you know, like like what you know, what, what did they have to put up with?
3: Who do you want to
2: go first? Yeah, did you pick. You got to pick a guy to go. Jeff, first. Jeff, or you yeah. go first. Abe I mean, went first last time. Pause after every question.
3: Yes. So th- this is just how it worked out for me and Tanya. Tanya is very uh, on. She's an entrepreneur as her own, on her own. She's very, she can take control of any situation. She's a lot better in some situations than me on handling, especially resolving problems or conflicts. Um, And what what happened is, you know, when you start a business on your own and you're like been the boss forever, um, the biggest challenge for me was, was sort of letting, giving Tanya her space and letting her, you know, take charge in certain things in the company. And that was a, that was hard uh, because we don't see eye to eye on everything at all, but uh, we we talk it out, sometimes argue it out, sometimes scream it out. But uh, whatever, um, it's good. It's because she's got a different viewpoint. She has a really good viewpoint, like I said, especially in conflicts. Um, and so, for 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 me, it's been a blessing because she can she can. Here's one of the things too that I think is important for for any husband-wife in a business. Um, I have always, back from my automotive days, um, running the shop with my father. The one thing that we always that that I always did uh, is the set when you're when you're a small business and, and you know Abe was talking. About it, it was just him and a partner and stuff, and they were the only two guys you have to set up your business so that in your life to be honest with your business your life your family and everything with the mindset of what if i get run over by a bus tonight and that's how i do everything it's like what if i get hit by a bus will the will things continue on without you know a, a major problem and so i've always worked that way and so uh tanya has been a great a great fit and uh if i got hit by a bus today or tomorrow, whatever, Corona cigar would survive. Um, the farm would not, but the farm's not our, our source of income. Yeah. So, but Corona cigar would, and my, my kids would be fine. And, uh, obviously not fine you a dad, but I'm saying, yeah, it, yeah. you know, but, but so that's what's been real important. And it, and it, and it's tough. I'm telling you right now, it's really tough when you, when you're, you know, um, when you give up some control, for your, for your wife to, to, to take those reins. But uh, I have absolute 100% confidence in Tanya. I have confidence in her decisions. And, and, uh, and if she thinks that there's stuff that she's not hundred percent on, you know, we're going to talk about it. And even if things she's making decisions, she's going to, you know, tell me about it and stuff. So, so uh, we have grown into a better situation than when, you know, it was, it was tough in the beginning, you know, you, you know, you're, Wife says, "I want to do this, this, this," and you're like, "Hey, man, you know, you, you run in the household's fine or whatever, but you know, <laughs> this is my domain, right?" Yeah. And so, um, but there's another thing I always say too, you know, um, your wife, whether you like it or not, once you're married too, and after so many years, she's she's part owner in that business anyway. Yeah. So you might as well let her, um, you know, act like an owner because she is like, period. Doesn't It is what it is. So. So as an owner, you might as well have her operating it like an owner as well. And so that's the change that I made. But I, but again, I'm a, I'm a fortunate person, lucky man, um, that, that my wife is just like me and focused on, on, on uh, we have the same mindset, you know, having a great company, great staff, taking care of our, everything works together, taking care of customers, taking care of staff. You've got to have both sides uh, balancing that equation. And um, and when and we have a big team, so that's the thing—a a, a, a team of people that are competent and empowered um, that can make those decisions. And if even if it's the wrong decision, listen, we—it we, is what it is. You know, we 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 all can make mistakes, but whatever. But we we empower everybody on that, and um, so that's that's how it's been for me, balancing out with. Uh, with my wife and it's worked out great to be honest with you. It's uh, it's I'm in a better place now than I was uh, even five years ago. So, so for me, it's been great.
0: Now, what about you, Abe? Cause, uh, cause you and brand I mean, cause uh, so, I mean, Jeff had the business uh, when he met Tanya, you didn't have the cigar business when you met Brandy or, or did you start it in that five years?
2: No, no, I did. When I moved here, okay. that was the decision why I stayed here. So I, you know, I definitely had the business when I moved Brandy. I mean, it was the one 900 square foot shop, but obviously she was there she was friends for the growth and then dating for most of the growth and then marriage for most of the growth. And, and, you know, you know, Brandy is not, has not been as like Tanya has played a major role in Corona, but you know, what I'll tell you is this, you know, and I, and you and I talked, we, we texted a little bit about the, before the show, there was one Valentine's day where I made a post on Facebook because. You know, I deal with a lot of employees. A lot of them are young men. I see the relationships they're in and whatnot. And I always say, look, what you have to realize as any man, when you're in a relationship, and I made this post later on, on Valentine's Day, where they're in a relationship or you're married whatever, there are women in the world who will make you the best version of yourself, who will push you to be the best and will never be in your way. And then you have other types of women who will be an anchor, like literally like drown you in the water that you're trying to swim in. And, you know, whoever you're dating or with at the time, you need to look across the table and decide, you know, who am I with? And it goes both ways. It's not just, you know, I'm talking from a male perspective because I'm a man. but It goes the same way if you're a woman, you know I mean? That's what a relationship supposed to be on. I'll never forget when I made that post that year, literally somebody during the Great Smoke came up to me. A manufacturer's son said, "Dude, like I, I read your post, and it's making me reevaluate my whole relationship. Girl, <laughs> <laughs> I you know, and you know, we, all of us here, and you and I, had mentioned, I, I had literally texted you before the show. I said we're pretty lucky, dudes. All of us here are blessed with with good, good women. Um, you know, my wife, who I, you know, having a big family was part of our our life plan." you know, stuff that we discussed. You know, we have four kids. We probably would have had six if we had started earlier. I mean, like, you joke about it. It's not, having kids is something that we enjoy and is a big part of our lives. But this poor girl was knocked up for, like, six years straight. Yeah. I mean, like, literally. um, This is somebody who was going to the trade show with me every year who all of a sudden didn't go for five or six years, you know. And all of a sudden, she was involved in every event that we had, working the shop, doing stuff now wasn't involved that was that was was a very rough period for her and there were times where like she came to me and said look man i barely see you you know we you know when we started i kind of did everything on on my own i I was my own graphics department we couldn't afford to have a full-time graphics guy you know knock on wood and thank god we have two 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 and a half guys now um but i was doing everything on my own and and a lot of that work got done after hours when the retail store closed and I would spend sometimes two nights every week, just working through the night. And, um, you know, she was amazing in that aspect. I remember one time she said, you know, like, look, I mean, I don't see you. What's the point. And like, it was just a simple thing. Like at at, at that time, we made Thursday nights are date night. So no matter what I had going on in the universe, Thursday nights were her night. I don't care if she wanted to do pottery, you know, drink painting by design, whatever it was, we did it Thursday nights, and she was never really over-demanding, and um, very, I, I couldn't, if Brandy wasn't my wife, I would have never accomplished or done what I've done today, and then now, down the road, the kids are older, they're doing stuff, you know, during COVID, she was very bored, and you know, even mentioned before that, she was bored, and, you know, I kind of just said to her, you know, what do you want to do? I mean, you can really do whatever you want. You know, she didn't know. And, um, you know, I was trying to help her figure it out. And she mentioned that she wanted to do photography. She liked photography. So I know one of our graphic guys spends half his week just taking product shots. Photography. I'm like, uh, do you want to learn Photoshop? And I kind of told her what I had in mind. And she went, signed up for four-day photoclo- Photoshop class. And then we had somebody from the Florida Art Institute come down to photography, spent two days working with her here. And now she kind of does ninety percent of all the product photography for us. So now she's actually involved in the day-to-day. I love it. She loves it. Keeps her busy. So, you know, we're we're all of us on this screen right here very fortunate enough because I'm telling you, and anybody out there watching or listening, you know, it's an integral part of life. The person you partner up with, it's it's either going to make the best of you or really just hold you back from a lot of stuff and I think all of us here have been blessed, so we're lucky. Cheers, Cheers. to that. Yeah. Cheers.
3: Cheers. Cheers. So, so, Abe, there's a what was interesting about Tanya is there was a point where she kept saying that she wanted to open a tea shop. Like, literally, go rent a space and open a tea shop here in know, with, like, Whatever that British tea thing where you make the little crumpets and sandwiches yeah. and all this stuff, because <laughs> yeah. she's like, you can't get a proper tea here, you know. So, so I knew that if I didn't let Tanya get really involved in Corona Cigar, she was going to be opening a freaking tea shop, and I'd have to have been helping doing stuff with, you know. They've been we just been on two separate paths, and I didn't want that yeah. to happen. So, so I was like, you know what? It, it, you know, happy wife, happy life. And let us, come on, come on in. What do you, what do you want to do? So uh, yeah, so that was real important, but, and also, um, you know, we have two kids and both of them are boys. And so I've always, we've always kind of been like, I mean, this is our, I take the boys to school and she picks them up. So we, we're like 50, 50 on the way we, we handle our, our, our kids. So I love, uh, of you know, spending time with them. And so, so that was the other thing too, but everybody's situation is different. You know, I, I say it's, is that whatever your wife, whatever she wants to do is what you, and, and make it work. Cause you don't want to try and, you know, fit a, square peg in a round hole whatever whatever senses there are on, on but i could sense i knew I what was happening in my my relationship yeah, so, J- J- jessica's so, yeah. over
0: here shaking her head i she's can taking,
3: sense she's kevin's take, getting the look right now he's taking yeah. notes you know uh, you uh no kevin you, kevin you should you should listen yes. because the thing is you know it's like you know so so you've got to listen to that whatever you know because there's balance it's all because tanya would say all the time you know you know Oh, it, you know, it's it, whatever the Jeff and not Tanya show or whatever. So, you yeah. know, so, I mean, you know, you got to balance it out. So, so listen to those, those subtle messages.
0: Yeah. You know, cause every now and then Je- Jess will be like, you know, Oh, Oh you You're know, like, like, you don't think ask Abe asks, so I'll text Abe and then be like, Abe agrees with you, Jessica. You know? So and it's just <laughs> like, Oh, I hate it. <laughs> Abe has ne- in, in any argument, Abe has never been on my side, um, and he doesn't know it. He doesn't know, like, like that's why I'm reaching out. It'll be, you know. But Abe has never been on my side. He is always team Jessica. Um, <laughs> so just thought I just th- throw that out there. Now, Jeff, uh, you're gonna uh, bef- did did a uh, uh, JD Jonathan Drew. Did he name Boris? Is that is that story true?
3: <laughs> so he didn't name Boris, but he was. <laughs> very vocal that he should he should be named Boris um and then uh same thing with van too so uh, you know I, I kind of made a mistake with Boris's name though that's his middle name and I and his first name is Michael and he hates it but oh, right. and which is yeah and what's ironic I guess Michael's not a cool name for kids right now but <laughs> I you don't, know, my, I don't know.
0: <laughs> well
3: so anyway that's my middle name so I gave it his first name but Boris um You know what happened on that is that my father's name was Mel Melvin, right? And so he goes, Man, I got picked on. I had to get so many fights when I was in school because I was called Melvin and all this other stuff. He goes, So just be careful about, you know, you pick a name Boris. But those were different times, man. Kids used to get beat up for stuff. Kids don't get really beat up in school anymore. You can get, you can have, you can name your kid numbers like uh, Elon Musk or whatever. And, you know, so, so I wish I would have made his first name because he wants to change it. Literally, he wants to change his name to. Boris, Boris, and, uh, but anyway, so. So, so it's not so, Boris
0: Von Borshowitz, like J.D. That's what, says. that's
3: <laughs> what, that is what John wanted to name him. Okay. John wanted to name Boris Von Borschewitz, but no. Okay, because so I, I, I was had... always,
0: I was always jealous of my cousin Jimmy growing up, and, uh, because he was named after, um, our grandfather, um, uh, and his, his first name is Floyd, so it's Floyd James, and he always goes by Jimmy. I always wanted to be a Floyd. I'm like, That's I mean, cool gro- name, growing up, I'm like Floyd, that is like, I mean, even like eight years old, I'm like, that name is pimp, you know, Floyd, <laughs> you know. So, but stuck with Kevin, and uh, and and care, everybody always pronounces his name Kerr. I don't know why they always throw the Jersey, like, you, you, yeah, the Jersey uh, folks. So care, well, it's it's
1: carry, always- but I got sick and tired of hearing uh. Jerry and you know Larry, <laughs> and everybody says Kerr. So I'm like, all right, just stick with that and. I come from a long line of family members named Anthony, Michael, and Edward. There's like 5 million of them in our family. And for some reason, Carrie, I'm the oddball in the family. I like
3: Carrie, though. That's that's a good one, too. And and then then
0: Abe is actually Ibrahim, right? With an I?
2: Ibrahim, which is the Arabic version of Abraham.
0: Okay. Yeah, Yeah, my legal
2: name is Ibrahim, and I've just gone by Abe my whole life. I mean, that's what Ibrahim is.
0: Uh, what, what's it, your middle? What's your middle name?
2: My middle name in our culture is typically the way it works is my father's name, so it's uh, Raji. That's my okay. Name. So the king, Raji. Yeah. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's my middle name. It's Ibrahim Raji.
0: So so I want to get into uh, uh, some of your employees. Um, uh, Abe, we'll start with you. Uh, Jeff, we started Jeff last time. Who's been with you the longest?
2: Oh. Today, I mean, it's kind of changed in the last 12 to 14 months. Today, I think the person who's been with me the longest is my webmaster, Brian Ives. Um, he helped build our first website. Actually, no, we, we built our website before he started working here. But, um, yeah, I think he came on board in 2008, maybe. 2008, 2010, something like that. But, yeah, he's been here the longest at this point. A lot of retirees, a lot of guys have moved on. But the guy who actually... Uh, works on the back end and the coding and makes all the magic happen for us with our coding guys. Um, yeah, he's been with me the longest.
0: Okay. I may have, have my son reach out to him someday. Uh, my son loves your website as well. Same with Jeff. My cut, co- my son codes. He coded my whole website. Um, uh, absolutely loves it. Now, Jeff, what about, what about you? Who's been with, uh, who's been with you the longest?
3: Angel. Angel's been Eight? with me since, yeah, 2002. Um, yeah. Yeah. He was a customer before that. I sold him a humidor when when he was uh, a very young man. Yeah. So but we've got a lot of guys that have been with us for a long, long time. So um, and and I like that, you know, we we uh, we, it's you know, the name family get throws gets thrown around a lot. But we 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 have a uh, just a culture in the company being very fair and trying to um, just make sure you know, there's a work-life balance and making sure guys are, and again, we empower guys and, and, uh, we have a great team. So, um, yeah, Angel's been with us the longest. And I always say that his name is appropriate for him because, uh, he's a great person. Forget, you know, his, his talents, what he's does at Corona cigar, but, uh, you know, the, just a great human being. And that, that's what I, I always say that when, when in your company, you just have good people. Cause, uh, from that you can always build on skills and train and learn like that, but just having, having good people, people that you would, you know, trust, you know, taking your kids to school or something like that. You know what I mean? Just, you want, you want people that, that, that your, your gut tells you they're good people. And we have, and we have so many people that's been with us a long time. So um, it's something that, that, um, you know, we're proud of. So um, it speaks, I think it's, you know, it speaks volumes of just treating people fairly and being, uh, um, you know, and, and the other thing is, too, is that I think people know that when things do go wrong, like, you know, occasionally have, you'll have a staff member that that falls ill from something, too. And it's like, you know, we, I don't care if you got insurance or not, we're going to take care of you. And uh, when you get better, you're going to come back to work and, you know, and we'll we'll let you know when or you you let us know when you're ready to come back to work. You know what I mean? So we,
2: um,
3: it's just that that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, and, then, and yeah, go ahead, Abe. I think Jeff's mentality is is the mentality of any really successful operation. Um, you know, Jeff knows better than anybody. It's very hard to do stuff alone. You really need to surround yourself with the right people and quality people, and um, you can't do that if you don't treat them like family and take care of them. You know, part of part of my charge as an employer is not just to employ these people, but especially because I employ a lot of young guys, too. I'm trying to make them better in life in general, you know, and just growth and future planning. And and, and when you care about your people in that kind of sense, like Jeff said, you know, family, um, that's how you retain good people. We have a lot of people who, who have been with us a very, very long time, as Jeff has. And I think that's the key to success to really anybody who's running a good ship. You know, if you don't care about your people, how do you think, how are you going to want them to care about you or your business? And that's kind of what it comes down to at the end of the day.
0: Yep. Yeah. Now, do either of you have, uh, um, the one that got away, like the employee, like they were, maybe they retired, maybe they got married, maybe they moved, but is there, is there that employee? It's like, you know, obviously, you know, like, like, you know, things still functioned after they left, but it's just like, Oh, that guy was funny. I just wish he was here every day. Still, Jeff, do you have that, that one employee,
3: well, not like one that got away, but there's there's tons of employees that, that you know, like, just for example, Saturday I was downtown, and uh, one of our guys that was a graphic designer, uh, Leroy Santos, was, was there meeting a friend, and, and it's like he was there for a cigar. I hadn't seen the guy in three years, and it's like, you know, big hug and stuff. There's I could go down the list of how many how many employees that, uh, you know, that aren't with us anymore, but we're literally, you know, you still, you, you see them as if you just got done seeing them you know the other day and we have that great relationship and I, and i love to see their their growth of themselves and their family and their kids growing up or whatever uh um but then there's the flip side you know as you as some of the older guys I mean, pass on that's sad too so i mean yeah. it's, but listen it's the circle of life you know we have young guys and you old guys and and uh i think a good way to describe it for example like like on an older guy they'll tell you when they when they're when they're not You know, when they're just feeling it's time to hang it up for them, whatever, Um, or if they're, you know, their health catches up where they can't, you know, their backs hurting them or whatever. And so but because that's going to happen to me, it's going to happen to you, it's going to happen to everybody else, you know, so so you just got to remember we're all human and and uh, just, you know, remember that. So (laughs) treat them that way.
0: That's it. What, what about, what about ABU? Uh, was there, was there one that got away or,
2: you know, no, I, I don't consider any of them get away because I'm a yeah. firm believer that everybody has their own destiny. Yeah. And I, I never fool myself, which a lot of employers do that this is their end game working here at Smokehead, Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you never fool yourself into that. And, um, you know, what Jeff said is a key to any good employer is when you have a list of people that used to work for you that you have a phenomenal relationship with, that's when you know you're doing the right job because whether you and I tell everybody who works here, whether you you stay here or you don't stay here, my goal is I want to make you better wherever you go. So um, we've had a, a, a long list of people who have moved on who I have still very, very close relationships. Um, in fact, one of them, this used to be his office, not my office. Um, he finished his master's degree while working here um became a financial advisor is doing work for Merrill Lynch and now he has his own firm with somebody and actually doing some financial planning for me now. Um because that's what you want. If you're a good employer, you want your people to grow. And if they grow while you're while they're with you, that's good. But eventually you have to be realistic that their path may not be that they're with you. You know, so um I don't really feel like anybody got in a way um there was some talent that obviously has left and moved on to better things. And we have great relationships with them. But if you run your business, look, Jeff, uh, Jeff, Jeff said it earlier, you know, in the case of my death, it's all written out. And if you run a good company, you have to do it that way because there are 30, 40, 50 plus lives are dependent on the operation of this business. So if I die, there's no fighting or no thinking about what's going to happen. It's all written out. What's going to happen. I get hit by a bus tomorrow. Um, That's the way you want it, you know, for your company. But um, I don't know. I forgot the point. I I forgot the point where I was making with this. Yeah. You know, there was a point somewhere there.
3: I think one of the other important things about why when you can see employees that had worked with you five six ten years ago and you still I, I'm friends with a lot of guys still on Facebook that that worked for us as well and one of the important things is is that uh, make sure you run a squeaky clean operation because um, that I see that a lot in in sometimes in the cigar business or even in, in small business whatever just don't do anything um, dodgy you know what I mean? You know, pay your taxes. Don't try and you know, oh, you know, we're not going to charge your sales tax on that. Because any of that shit that you do throughout your careers would come back and haunt you. So yeah. anybody that leaves your company, you want to make sure that say, you know, hey, no man, they run a straight ship there. There's no, there's no games going on. There's no, oh, I got you. I'm going to hold something over now because everything. Yeah. You never want any. You never want any of that. And 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 at the same time, staff. Uh, once they leave too they're not no, it's a straight up company you know they, they they don't they don't do this that or whatever you know and, and so because um, I've seen it Abe you've been in the business I guess 25 years now too I mean I've seen so many stores that especially during the boom there was crazy shit going on you know these guys running illegal freaking casinos basically in their shops and then this guy here turns out he got arrested for you know cocaine and stupid <laughs> shit like that so no it, you, you yeah. laugh but I, trust me yeah. i've seen a lot of this well and, and, and it's guy the guys that
0: only accept cash only cash only cash yeah, this, oh, this okay. guys
3: in jail for no taxes <laughs> yeah. you're not know, paying taxes and stuff so so that's the other critical part about having employees that later you can see 5 10 15 20 years from now and 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 see them in a grocery store wherever and you say hey what's happening you know, just make sure you run a a, a real straight up uh, honest operation
2: a standard rule that I live by that really kind of works across the board, whether it's consumers, whether it's employees, whether it's other business associates we deal with is I try to do what, what I believe the way I would want to be done. Right. So, you know, if I treat an employee a certain way, it's the way I think I would want to be treated if I was an employee. If I'm trying to negotiate a business deal with somebody, I, you know, one of my philosophies is I never offer somebody a deal that if I was sitting on the other end of the deal, I wouldn't accept myself. Because then then you're just already swimming upstream in a situation, right? So I think if you live life by that code, you'll always be all right. Doesn't mean that the other party always agrees with you or, yeah. you know, sees a light in it. But at least I sleep better knowing at night that right. this is what I would expect or this is what I would have done or this is how I would feel the situation would go down. And that philosophy has kind of worked out for me and in and, and the company for the last twenty five years. Uh,
1: Jeff, you said something really interesting. Is it's you know the employees you meet afterwards that you run a tight ship, but I think if you if you if you do the right thing and Daryl mentioned character, it also builds confidence and security with the people who are with you, because if you're willing to negotiate your character, whether it's not accepting, you know, like cutting, you know, I'm going to buy this. Don't I'm don't charge me taxes or a casino at some point in time the people are with you are going to think if they're willing to do that they're willing to do anything then and where does that where do i stand in that in that equation and it's not only doing the right thing uh which is as like you said abe you you put your head on a pillow at night and sleep well because you're doing the right thing you may disagree with me but if you're a person of good character and you're doing the right thing it doesn't matter what profession you're in the people who are around you will respect you and and that confidence will kind of flow throughout your your business and your organization
2: i gotta share a story because it's funny and you just reminded me of it you know because you know there's different levels of what you think is acceptable not acceptable so um the guy who actually had this office the guy who i said who had a master's degree you know went back and got his master's and went on and moved and had a wife and two kids and a great life and we're still friends and talk regularly when I first hired him, I'll never forget, we were sending out um, uh, invitations to manufacturers for the Great Smoke, and they were on big envelopes. And we couldn't print the envelopes through the printer, so we, we would print them on this clear, transparent thing where we would put the address and everything, and then we just crack and peel it and stick it on the envelopes. So I sent him to Office Depot to go get a bunch of those, and we print the first one, and the guy spends like 10 minutes trying to peel it and realizes he bought a Transparency. You know, an overhead projector had got a crack and peel label. So I said to him, I said, all right, so listen, go return it and grab the right one. Now, mind you, he used one sheet of paper from it. I'm like, just go return it and grab the right one. And he looked at me like all dumbfounded. Like, I'm like, well, what? <laughs> we opened it. We used a piece. You want me to go return it? and get... And I'm like... Oh no, dude! You're good. Don't return. it. <laughs> oh, because that was like so acceptable to me in the moment. It's like one sheet. Don't return it. Yeah, he wouldn't do it. I'm like, oh, this guy is awesome. You are. <laughs> you, are, you, are you are perfect. Do not change for nothing.
0: You can run the register. Yeah,
2: uh, dude, that, that, <laughs> that,
0: that, that's the Chicago coming out in Abe. Yeah, that's
2: standard. fine. serious. No, know, no, no big transgression this guy like was having a conflict or like, dude, don't change a thing. You're perfect. You know, and he ended up working for me for 10 years and moved on to better things. But you know, that's the guy that actually sat here. You know, his name is Michael Wallstrom. Anybody who's been in the industry, remembers him? He's a, he's a great kid. He's got two kids now and a flourishing career. I love the kid. And He's like a brother to me still.
0: Now, now, now speaking of employees, are you guys um, uh, so big now that, you don't know all your employees, like you walk in, is there ever a time you walk into a location? You're like, who are you? You know, and it's like, I'm the new kid. You know, I started a month ago or six months ago, Jeff, is there, is there, is that, you know, do you know everybody or, or has it just gotten too big?
3: I don't, we have um, five locations between, so four stores in three different cities and, and well, technically central Florida and Tampa and then the, uh, warehouse and then the farm on top of that. So there's, we're, we're, we're pushing 135, 140 people. So, uh, in one of the, one of the worst things I I cannot, I'm very bad at names, good with faces and I'm good with voices. Um, but names is, is really a, it's, it's like a mental block on I have a hard time with, uh, with names, but, um, so, so no, but, um, I'm pretty damn good with faces Um, and, you know, you just, uh, I, I'm not in the the stores that are, you know, like a little further from where I'm at. So my home base is pretty much sand Lake. And then, uh, yeah, I know everybody, the warehouse type of thing, but, but, uh, no, unfortunately, uh, that's one of the things when you start, uh, I want to say when you start delegating and have a a chain of command, that's, you know, that's kind of how that, how that works. All
2: right. Abe? Yeah, he, Jeff's on point with that. and Jeff admittedly probably has a much more intricate, elaborate organization than we do. Um, and, I, you know, I used to do all the hiring myself, and now I don't do all the hiring. You know, I mean, you delegate stuff and people hire people. Um, but, you know, what, what strikes me every time I see it, it's kind of like, what? Is, like, we'll get a, um, a thing from the government, somebody's claiming unemployment or something. And I'll look at the name, and I'm like, who is this person? Why did he work for us? I'm like, I don't even recognize the names anymore. And that's just a a product of growth. You can't be involved in every minuscule aspect of your company. And, um, you know, somebody's not here long enough and worked here for three or four months and left or whatever. Man, there's a good chance I may have not known them or met them. And and that's the sad part. But, um, you know, we try to run our ship where, look, I run my company where my people are pretty much very active and they're involved you know I, I we if you shop with us or you're a fan or your patron you probably know a half a dozen or more of my our regular employees and, and that's the way i like it you know i can't be everywhere and there there are people who are very integral to the day-to-day operation of our company and they should be recognized for it so um it, it, it does happen kevin and i'm sure jeff will tell you it's not something that like you know it kind of stings a little bit when it happens, like, oh, who is that person? But it's it's just a byproduct of growth. But I think it's important to both of us to really know who works for us. And I don't think either for Jeff or myself anybody works for any extensive period of time that we don't eventually get to know intimately and know who they are. But when you have a an operation that's large or fairly big, people come and go, and you mean they get, you mean I get the chance to know them.
0: So, so uh, what What about kids? So have you had, you know, Abe, you said you would had people retire. Have you had kids of, uh, of employees, uh, you know, work for you guys? Like, hey, you know, like you meet them, like, oh, hey, my dad was so-and-so. He worked for you like 10 years I, ago.
2: I'm actually very proud that my head operations guy, my number two guy, Matthew Briggs, um, everybody in his family worked for my organization at one point other than his wife. Okay. <laughs> um, both his sons work for me. One still does. I think his daughters worked for us, at many events and, and functions and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of cool. And I, I think he likes the fact that his sons worked here for a while. You know, I mean, um, I think he enjoyed it a lot. And one of his sons graduated and moved on to better things. And one of his other sons still works here and is an integral part of our company. And I think he loves that fact that he has a job where he gets to go and interact and be involved with his son every day. So um, that's, look, like when you run a shop, like Jeff said, where it's family, that's a cool little spin-off of that aspect of having family where you have family of your family working here and doing stuff. And, you know, I, I hired my first family member. My, you know, one of the things, you know, look, when I was getting ready to do a warehouse, um, I got to, Tanya was, Tanya and Jeff were both very nice. And allowed me to come down and check out their warehouse and try to learn a few things. So I didn't screw up badly in building our first warehouse and, um, spent the, the day actually at Jeff's house with everybody. We had a good time. Um, but one of the things that, that, that blew my mind away and I came home and I talked to my wife is, you know, Jeff has a lot of members of his like family working there. And that's such a great thing. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm in Florida. I came here by myself. So none of my family's here in Florida. Um, and I'm like, that's so awesome. And the there's nobody from my family involved in my organization. Like, I just hired my first cousin who, when I was in the grocery business with my father growing up, he actually helped us out and he kind of was semi-retired in Texas, not doing anything. And he came to work for us. So it's kind of cool to actually hire a family member who's been doing great and everybody loves in the shop, the customers love. So um, that's kind of the environment you want to try to create.
0: Now I didn't know Jeff, you had a lot of, uh, of of your family. I know your sister works for you, and then Tanya. Um, so you have other family members working for you.
3: No, so my my it's pretty funny you. So my my sister uh, Tanya and uh, my mom used to work for me too. What uh, really? Yeah, 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 she worked. There. <laughs> Believe it or not, when I first started the company, she was addressing catalogs with me. So, uh, awesome. and then um, never forget one time my 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 dad he help out whatever i needed but one time i was at a football game with him and uh bobby newman was there and bobby newman's like and so and and so which store does this guy work at and i said that's my dad and uh (laughs) so but uh yeah so but one of the things when you mention about kids and yet we have brothers and sisters and cousins and people of 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 each other you know that workforce but when you mention kids, though, what I what I really like seeing is, is I like seeing them when our staff has, like, what when they have a baby and you watch your little baby grow up and stuff. Because, you know, I don't know. But for me, like, my kids are, Boris turned 16, Vance turning 13 here. And, you know, they're not babies anymore. Yeah. So when you see a, an employee that has a baby and they're posting their pictures and stuff, you just, you know, I'm just so happy for them. Because, you know, it's like sometimes maybe I... I, I, I uh, I talk to them too much about their kids, but I always tell them, man, wait till they do this. Wait till they have to do that. And be sure and take pictures of this and that. Because, uh, you know, because it's, I don't know, you just, uh, I'm, having kids for me was the best things ever. I was very late in life having them, but it's the it's the greatest thing. And so uh, whenever our staff have, have kids, I'll, I'm always so happy for them. So, hey, and I love about, seeing the pictures.
2: Forget about just staff. Jeff gave me advice on having yeah. when we had kids. I mean literally life advice. I mean cuz I was I had a lot of questions like you know traveling or just like take them everywhere. Take them. Yeah. Them <laughs> yeah everywhere. All the time. We take them. them to trade shows. We take them to this. Yeah. Take put, them in, put them in
3: put them in a camper, take them across we the mean, country, rimming. you know.
2: Jeff gave <laughs> yeah. me a me a lot of kid advice over the years.
3: Yeah, because especially was funny too like uh, during the the COVID where a lot of guys were doing zoom meetings for business and stuff and they get i could see people getting all stressed because a, a kid's like you know coming in, in the background and stuff i'm like dude guys listen i got kids i love see don't worry about it don't stress out if your kid's over there pulling on your shoulder or making noise with his trucks or you know i'm like God, just trust me enjoy this let's continue what we're doing but don't don't get upset about your 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 daughter or your little kid over here making noise in the back so so because i think what happens in the corporate world. People were trained like, oh, that's bad, you know. You got, to, you know, you're, you're in a meeting, and then you can hear your daughter in the background or your son. It's like, dude, that, that, to me, it's the exact opposite. Those are the, those are the better people that are wanting to, you know, that's your kid, you know. So, anyway, that's just the way. That's my mindset.
0: Now, now, what what about uh, um uh, manufacturers' kids? Now, I know Jeff, uh, um, uh, Alec, and Bradley Rubin both worked for you. Now, Abe, you've never talked about like. Or, I've never heard of anybody mention like the the tobacco brats working for you. Um,
2: have they worked? We haven't had the privilege of any of them working for us, but I tell you, it's been an awesome experience working with a lot of them. Uh, growing up, in fact, at the last trade show, I literally had a conversation with Alan Rubin about how awesome it was dealing with Alec and Bradley, um, and how what a great job they were doing. In fact, I think I, I even told Alan, I think. They're, they're better to work with than you were. Um, they've done a really great job in picking up the reins and working things. And uh, Nick Perdomo III, um, he's been great. So um, I've never had the honor or privilege of any of these young guys working for us. But just being able to deal with them on a, on a retail manufacturer side, just in business, has really been a privilege. And a lot of them have been really, really Amazing! I mean, like I literally had a conversation with Alan Rubin about how awesome his kids were doing, and, and, and how me as an outsider were proud of them. Forget about you know him as a father. You know, I was just proud of the work they were doing. Just looking as a as a as a business relationship, looking in, they were doing a great job. So, no, I didn't have that privilege. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff uh, probably had more of a Je-
0: Je- well. Jeff's near the college. So, Jeff, who else did you have besides Alan Bobby. and Albert?
3: Bobby Newman's son worked in Tampa for a long time, and oh, he really? was awesome. Oh yeah, man, he was great. So, so yeah. Any listen, I always say if any manufacturer wants their son come work, have him come work, and just uh, at some point, if Boris ever uh, needs to go work in Nicaragua, Honduras, just or Dominican <laughs> Republic, just make sure the doors open so I can send him down there for a uh, for summer or something like that. So, um, but no, we we uh, the cigar industry's. That's one of the things that attracts a lot of people to the cigar industry because it's much different than a lot of other industries where um, there still is a lot of uh, of families on both sides from retail to manufacturing to and uh we we all have a uh, a working relationship, right? So so it's just sort of natural. And I and, and yeah, works they're they're generally really great, great kids or I shouldn't say kids, young adults. They do a great job.
0: Yeah, now now, you your your son, like I said, he, he's 16 now, got his first job. Uh, any, uh, and we've never talked about this before. Any interest of uh of Joe, uh, going into the like working in a lounge or into the tobacco industry?
1: Well, I think Joe more so than uh, um, Emma or Wyatt. You know, well, Wyatt's well, still they're he's, still quite young. He's thir- Well, no, Emma's 16 too, and, yeah. and 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 Wyatt's 13. But Joe does have some. Uh, some some interest you know he loves the business side of things so uh i think his his goal uh eventually is uh is if we continue to grow and do well is to take over and he wants to be a part of the business he's mentioned it several times
0: yeah it, it, i i i would love for my, my daughter i mean i and i have a son i love my son i look forward to the first day i can smoke a cigar with my daughter she's twenty. Five, she's never and them. she's never gonna do it. And then I should yes, be looking at myself. I, 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 I love, I love my son, but I, I just like that's like a dream of mine to sit down and smoke a, a cigar with my, my daughter, my, my, my <laughs> baby girl, Jessica's son, Graham. I know he smokes cigars. It's not the same. It's my, it's my, it's my little, my little girl.
2: I, it'll happen. It'll happen. I got a question for Jeff because this just, this just happened with me and my oldest daughter, like literally the last night or the night before, right? Do you ever think about your business as a legacy business? Do you see one of your kids running it or taking it over?
3: I was going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. It's too early for me to tell right now. So um, I, I, I think the best thing to do is to not force it unless you see what happens because um, you know, Van would love to go fly a plane in the air force or space force or something um, in, you know, whatever I, I kind of, you know, I, I take a lot of uh, advice or cues from Eric and Bobby Newman, and let me explain this one to you. It's a it's a fourth generation generation company with Drew there, and I always talk to you know most most family business don't make it to the second generation, oh, yeah. let alone the third, right? Um, and so you know, I, I, I asked them, so how did your dad do this, and how did it how did your grandfather do this? So. Um, you know, Drew Newman didn't work for J.C. Newman for years. He was up in D.C. working for the for the courts there in the Supreme Court and stuff and uh, working for the city council. And if you look at the way it's come back, that experience for him has helped him really with J.C. Newman, especially navigating FDA and, and anything else. It's just made him a really good um, president for the company. So my... If if the kids do come into the business later in life, I want them to go have an experience and career somewhere prior because <laughs> um, otherwise they'll never get a sense of what reality is in the workforce and reality in in another company. So um, I'm not going to push it um, again. So if, if like I said, if I get run over by a truck, the business can, can still continue on with or without them involved. So. Um, So that's kind of what I'm doing. I think if it's natural and and kids want to be in the business, then then the opportunity should be there. But uh, I also at the same time, uh, don't tell don't want my kids to think that I've seen a lot of uh, wealthy parents where the next generation turns into, you know, totally messed up kids, Uh, you know, hooked on drugs and, you know, drug overdoses and doing dumb stuff. And so uh, I don't believe in that entitlement mentality at all and I let my kids know that too. So, um, you know, so that's, that's, that's my plan.
2: You know, it's funny because I, I just never assumed it. Right. Cause I mean, I had my kids later in life. So if I look at my exit strategy plan and when my kids become of age, it doesn't really coincide. And somehow it came up in conversation with my oldest daughter who's only 13. She's a very mature 13, but she's only 13. Wait a minute. Your oldest is only 13 oldest daughter Petra is only thirteen. I, I thought I thought Petra was like seventeen years old. She looks seventeen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a whole other problem <laughs> yeah, for, like, yeah. for another show. But yeah, she looks seventeen. Um, th- that's the young lady who performed during the Great Yeah smoke Yeah in twenty twenty one. Did the violin piece, um, and she's only thirteen. And somehow, you know, I don't know how it came up with my exit, my exit strategy. Eventually, Someday, like I talked about retirement, and she got like all bent. Like, what do you mean? Like, I don't what do you mean? I'm gonna sell a business eventually one day. He's like, no, you can't sell it. I'm like, uh, I don't think this is what you know you really want to do. And like, she was more hung up on it than I was. Like, smoking can't end, you know, you can't let it go. And I'm like, you know, I don't know how timing is gonna work, but you know, she was more hung up on it than I, I was because I never really looked at it as a legacy business only because of timing. You know, my kids were in their 20s now. That's a maybe viable opportunity, maybe a viable possibility. And that's something they wanted because I'm from your school, Jeff. You know, they got to find their own path and they got to do what they're going to do. You know, I didn't take up my family business, which drove my father nuts. You know, he just told me for the first few years I moved to Florida and it just wasn't for me. And um, so, so Abe, Abe, that's real important what you just said,
3: though. Because, you know, I was in the family business, too. My dad and I worked with him until I was 25. And, but that, I, didn't, I didn't see that as, a, as the most promising future for what I had envisioned. So um, that's why I believe that, for, for me, it's like we're going to run the company as if Boris or Van aren't involved. And if they are, it's great. If they're not, the business is still going to carry on.
2: That's the way I'm doing it, too. I just found it funny because my oldest daughter made a big stink about it. Really, like a huge stink. I'm like, you know, you're a violinist. You're studying. You're telling me you want to go to Juilliard. What is it you want? What is it you want to do with this business? You know, but, you know, she she voiced it to me, and I was was kind of thinking – back a little bit by her. You Abe, know. Abe, your daughter's smart.
3: She knows that that violinists are great and everything, she, but she's looking at, man, I don't see a lot of uh, <laughs> big six-figure <laughs> careers here. You know, most of these yeah, uh, yeah. orchestras are volunteers, you know, so yeah. that's that's but probably yeah. what she's thinking. If she wants <laughs> she, to be in an orchestra, she needs to have a way of making income so she can still do that, probably. Yeah,
2: so... Well, it, but it, it's it, funny, it, I'm doing the same thing you're doing. We're running its course, whatever happens, happens. If, if I'm still in the game at that time and any one of them show interest, that'll be something we'll deal with when that day comes.
3: So, so one other thing that I think is important that everybody should learn through COVID too, is that there's no guarantees in life. You know, we've seen a lot of people that have passed away. And, uh, so, you know, no, nobody's invincible. And I've always said, cause I had cancer uh, 18 years ago. And so, you know, that changed my outlook on everything. And so, uh, you know, there's you, you, you can try and plan all you want, but none of us know the day that our number is called. So, uh, at the same time, make sure you got a balance because uh, I saw this with my father. He worked very hard. Uh, he's, you know, from that old school of hard knocks and and worked really hard. But uh, by the time retirement came, he really didn't enjoy his retirement. And so, he really probably should have balanced a little bit more out during his, his middle years of life. So, so, uh, I just think that balance for a lot of people is real important because uh, I see too many people that plan on, I'm going to do this when I retire. And it, well, uh, let's use a really good example. Abe, Gene Tipton's another good one. My friend, Gene Tipton from Altidus built this dream home up there and had everything set up. And, you know, he only lived another year after that. And so that's what, you know, you just, you just never know. So anyway, that's my words of yeah, wisdom on Alan. And then
0: and, and Jeff, mm-hmm. your, your dad being in the automotive business like me, One thing I think about daily, like every day, you know, like I don't want to be an old broken mechanic, like and and care. Your your dad was into cars too, you know. I I I watch what I pick up. I I watch like the jobs Mm -hmm. I do now because like just these these old guys that retired, you know, they finally have all this spare time, but now they can't move. You know, their (laughs) their shoulders, their back, their knees—they are just broken men, you know. And it's just they they sacrificed everything for their families, and now. They can't enjoy retirement. So, but my With dad chased Kevin, me they,
1: away from whenever he worked on a car. He chased me away. He's like, I don't want yeah. you to do this. We, yeah. I want you. you you're you're going to do something different. You're not going to be a mechanic.
3: Yeah, there were, they, but if you go back to the older generation guys that did that kind of work too, there was a lot of pride. In me and like, you know, I'm tough. Yeah. I'm not going to let this broken bolt get me yeah. down or whatever. Yeah. You know, and they seriously they would they yeah. divorce on stuff and do things that. You know, now we're, we, you know, they, they didn't have safety gear back then, you kidding me? <laughs> you wore safety glasses. You were like, get out of here, right? So it's like, you know, there's, they, they were from a different, a different yep. era um, where that tough guy, um, you know, mentality. And when you're, when you're, when you're hitting something hard or whatever, they, they just did it. And yes, they sacrificed their bodies and their knuckles and fingers are all <laughs> twisted up when they're old. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just the way it works.
1: Uh, My grandfather was a mechanic, and he was, uh, in, you know, he's he's on, he's on our logo, and he's was the uh, one of the, the one of the better diesel mechanics back in the day. Uh, and that's
3: heavy work. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Now, now speaking of mechanic work, Abe, did you get that re- tire replaced on your Escalade yet? Remember the one I told you about? It was getting uh, uh, some edge wear when I saw you last.
2: Probably not. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> Probably that, not. That, that <laughs> probably not that that, that that was a no hey, so before-
3: just just a shout out for kevin though. he gives out great advice i told him he was given one of his sunday morning talks <laughs> about something i don't remember what it was but i'm like you know kevin this is you're spot on and uh, and more people should listen to that because they they could learn a little bit about cars and so anyway
0: yeah that, that's one of our most popular segments uh, uh the tobacco and tech tips sundays so um <clears throat> and then speaking of cigar before we move on i lit up another cigar this is the uh uh, the Corona FSG Farm Roll. I'm addicted to these farm rolls. I'm telling you. You know, like I said, I'll be honest. When I first saw, like I was in a Corona, um, or actually uh, um, a Davidoff Geneva, Tampa. I saw the price. These aren't cheap cigars. These are like $11 cigars. And I'm like, man, that's a farm roll. And then you smoke it and it's like, oh my God, this cigar. So anybody listening tonight, Corona Cigar, link in the show notes below. The farm rolls. You'll become addicted to these cigars. Really fast.
3: So, so real quick on that—that that cigar. Not only is, it's 100% FSG wrapper, binder, filler, but it's rolled right here in Orlando by Z, who does the uh, Sphinca Santa Fe. So, um, oh,
2: I, did, I didn't know Z rolled these. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. So that's some real farm rolls there. That's yeah. Some yes. Shit, right there. Yeah, that's, that's not I'm not, saying, not, so. not
0: fake farm rolls from that other company. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so
2: these are
3: these are 100% legit yeah. and made all right here in Central Florida.
0: Right on. Um, so I, I work for a big company, Bridgestone. And, and just this past weekend, like yesterday, we finished up a big sale, four-day weekend. Um, and our company pits every store. And it's like that on any large corporation. Pits all the stores against each other for sales, for tire sales, whatever it is. Do you guys do that uh, amongst your stores? You know, uh, Abe, you'd be like, you know, hey, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, this store did uh, more than us. Or Jeff, you'd be like, hey. You know, you're at Sand Lake. Hey, I notice, uh, you know, Davidoff is selling a little bit more. You guys need to get up on the ball. You know, do you guys do that? Do you guys pit the stores have incentives, or is, or is it really is just, you know, it's a company. We're all doing better as a company.
3: Who do you want to go first?
0: Well, Jeff, we'll go. We'll go Jeff first.
3: Okay. So we don't pit any stores against each other, but we can compare the metrics of each store you know transaction numbers and averages and things like that it's not fair for us to uh to like say to expect you know like you know sand lake and Davidoff are tampa stores are our highest volume stores versus you know lake mary which is a, a smaller store and it's in a different you know that's there's not as many people that live up in in lake mary as there does is in you know, uh, in Tampa or on where our Sand Lake road store is. And then downtown's the same thing. It's a totally different environment. That's a, you know, that's more people, uh, uh, during nighttime and, and crowds like that for the bars hop and scene. So we don't, we don't, um, you know, say, Hey, your store is doing less than the other because it's, it's not a fair comparison you know, from, from what we do.
2: All right. What, what about you, Abe? Yeah, man, that's that, that's spot on. I mean, we you don't want to create intercompany conflict. That's never going to be the answer for anything. Um, and every store is different, especially when you have multiple locations across multiple counties. I mean, I mean, Jeff will tell you in his experience, stuff that sells at one store doesn't sell in another, and every store is different. Um, but we do like to have some intercompany competition. I'm a very much competitive guy, so I do like, and I'm sure Jeff. Has too. I do like to set up some intercompany contests from our staff because I, I believe in competition is a good thing. So, and it's always in a positive spirit because if it's not, we stop it dead in the tracks. Um, and we have fun, but it's never like a store to store competition. Every store is its own child, just like a parent, right? I mean, all four of my kids are completely different, like literally completely different, and you have to treat them all completely different. And the shops are kind of the same way. They're all children, all completely different. And you have to tend to them and nurse them and accommodate them in different ways at times. All
0: right. Now, now, do you guys ever have, um, um, like, team-building exercise? Or do you guys – do you have, like, holiday Christmas parties? I know, I know Jeff. So I, I heard a story on Jeff on he has a great team-building exercise um, where he actually takes employees out into the middle of Tampa Bay, sinks a boat. And then makes them swim back to shore. Whoever whoever the last one to shore actually gets fired. Um, but uh, J- Jeff, I don't know this story. I don't know. Like I was just told, asked to, to to bring that up.
3: Yeah, that's that's totally that's totally untrue. But one of the things that that, that we've always done at this big Christmas party. We don't. It's it's after Christmas for us because we close all the stores on a Sunday and we would hold it at our downtown store. But when COVID came through, um, we couldn't do that, and we didn't want to have every employee in one place. Yeah. So uh, last year I broke it up, and I, I literally went, and you know we, we had one of our cows processed, and uh, and I, we ate that thing up. I was a man in the grill at uh, five different locations. So I enjoyed that more because then – you know, you can spend time with, you know, 15 people, 20 people versus having 150 or 200 people at a one night event. So I enjoyed it more. I don't know. I think the staff enjoyed it more too, but because everybody kind of likes to see the boss cooking for them, and, 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 uh, you know, them being the, uh, you know, the roles reversed, you know, we're, we're taking, we're going to, you, you are the guest that night instead of when you're, you know, working in the store. So, uh, so I enjoyed it and I'll probably do it again. That's my plan to do for this year. So, so um so far I, I've enjoyed that one the most maybe it's so, cuz it's something new but I've enjoyed it the most yeah.
0: So so so, what what is the boat story? How did how did this boat sink in Tampa Bay?
3: That was a that was a fishing trip. That was that was, oh, done okay. there was five boats went out, so nobody sank and everybody had fun and. Oh, and, so the uh, boat, didn't, yeah. sink. No, to the boat didn't
0: sink. I'm gonna have I to get back. the boat didn't
3: sink. I'm gonna have to get to this person because he says no, you sank a no, boat. No, what <laughs> okay. it is is that I, I we were out fishing and the boat. I like to fish, so when we were like the last one in because we were catching fish, so oh, okay. <laughs> that's kind of the I'm one gonna, thing. Yeah, so, I'm gonna have
0: to like hey. You yeah, your story yeah. wrong. Jeff. Yeah, Not, we don't. Then, yeah, boats. I was told like it went underwater like the boat. Sank. Oh,
3: <laughs> well, that like, was different. That was. Yeah. <laughs> I rented a pontoon boat that day and everybody, shit. You're right. We had too many people on it. I hit a wave and that thing went freaking water went flying through the bow. You got to watch that on a pontoon boat. You get too many people on the bow. Yeah, that's a true story. That okay. that did happen. That's that funny. wasn't intentional, though. That was an accident. Yeah, yeah. I didn't sink the boat. So we swam to shore. No, that was scary, yeah. actually.
0: Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, so so, so standing about- in the back. <laughs> yeah, saying Abe, um, uh, what, what do you do for uh, amongst all your stores?
2: So we do this thing every Memorial Day, um, and we obviously lost it last year. Um, Going to do it again. We lost it this year. Going to do it again next year. Um, but we do this thing every Memorial Day. We call it smoke because. When you have a company like Jeff and you want to do something for your staff, it's very, very hard because most of them work. So we close, we close, I think six or seven days a year. And I think six days a year. So Memorial Day is one of those days and we throw a smoke friends and family thing where you can come, you could bring your family, your cousins, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your kids, your nephews, your nieces. And it's a whole big to do a couple hundred people. And um, we get like bounce houses and snow cone trucks and we have intercompany contests. And it's just a day where we can kind of all spend together away from work and just chill and relax and have fun. And we have like contests for the kids, which is kind of really fun. We The last one we did, we hung donuts with a string and the kids got to eat the donuts without it falling off. And we, yeah, it, it's a very family oriented, fun, friendly thing. Of course, it's fully catered and booze. and We do that. And that's what we do company wide. But then each of my division managers can do their own things. Like I know um, one of my managers took all the managers out to a um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Those uh, golf things where you 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 top drive top golf. Yeah, top, top golf. golf. There you go. They took them to top golf. One of my favorites was uh, they took all. Uh, they, one of my division managers took all everybody out to uh, escape room night. And that was kind of oh, okay that was kind of cool so we like to do things because like like I said like Jeff said you know we're family oriented businesses um, I think that that connectivity of employees in a social environment outside of work is a positive thing so you know we try to do it but when you create a culture like Jeff has or like we have where it's really just not a job it's kind of more of a way of life. I think you got to incorporate these kind of things because that's what kind of brings it makes it tangible. It's not all just work related stuff. So, you know, we try often enough to whether it's either I've taken guys to uh, the shooting range um, where we've just shot guns all day long which Jeff is smiling about. Today. Yeah, <laughs> he's very much into that. So, you know, that's important. You know, look, if you as an employer don't treat your staff as a growing family member like you would your kids or anything else, they won't grow in the expectations that you hope for them to grow. So, these kind of outings are, in my opinion, are very imperative to just some kind of cohesion and connectivity to something other than more than just it being a job. Right? A lot of people have just a job. and I don't want people working for our organization to have just a job. You know, because... It's just a job. It wasn't just Because it's stock. more fun shooting machine yeah. guns and stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm starting to slur a little bit because I'm like three doubles in yeah. right now, <laughs> of Clint Finnick. But that's really the bottom line is you don't want people working for you to think they just have a job. I mean, how terrible is that to think, I just got a job, right? So if you can find a way to work that into their psyche and their way of life and the culture... But it's not just a job; you'll you'll always get more out of them as employees, and they'll feel more fulfilled working for you. Which is a double entendre; it's a double benefit to everybody involved.
0: Yeah, I yep. I, I
3: feed my employees.
0: Yeah, yeah, Jessica feeds her employees. That's what gets them. Uh, I could, I gets it. That, that always know. works. That always and and then and then I'm 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 a mechanic, so like I said they just they just feed us feed us pizza. Is all is all they do. Um, now, now Abe, last time I, w- I was I was just down at your shop, you know, a month ago, and someone asked me a question, and I never thought about it. And then this, and then I thought of Jeff as, as, as on the, at the same moment. But um, Boynton Beach is a Casa de Monte Cristo. Corona is a Davidoff of Geneva in Tampa. So we'll start with Abe. Where where did Casa de Monte Cristo? Why why not just smoke in? Where did that name? And, and is there a benefit of having? that name and then we'll go jeff the same the same question
2: well i think somewhere along the line these manufacturers realized that you know certain shops of certain calibers wanted some exposure for them and it was a very beneficial and mutual relationship whether it's a drew estate lounge or a casa de monte cristo or a davidoff lounge our west palm beach has a, a davidoff lounge our boynton beach stores casa de monte cristo um and for the right companies, it's a good branding opportunity. Does it affect and change how we do business? Absolutely not. Um, But these companies help and support. So, you know, the way I look at it is, look, as consumers, if you come into our shop and you really enjoy the environment. These are the companies that help sponsor the the environment that you enjoy. So um they get great exposure. Like if you look, look at our Casio Monte Cristo lounge, there's really nothing branded inside the lounge other than the Monte Cristo brand because it's a constantly Monte Cristo lounge um, store. But, you know, we sell everything in our humidor, um, but they they realize the importance of having the name on the building and the branding and the everyday branding of people walking in. And, uh, you know, Jeff will be probably able to tell you the same. There's a benefit to the company and the store, but does it affect how we run our everyday business, how we market? No. Um, we, we, run it as a cigar shop, as a tobacconist and, and that's how it works. But, um, it's, 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 it's a symbiotic relationship with the manufacturer that's chosen to brand their, their, the lounge or the store with their name. And it it's it works out for everybody involved, I believe.
0: Yeah. Now, now Jeff, what, why why, why off of Geneva? Why, you know, um, why that name? Why did you choose that? Did they approach you at, at, at one point or... Yeah, so
3: we have the three Orlando stores, or the Sand Lake stores, Drew Estate Lounge, Diamond Crown Lounge, our downtown one, and Monte Cristo Lounge is the uh, the Lake Mary Heathrow one. So when Davidoff was moving from uh, Connecticut down to um, the Tampa area, they wanted a flagship store. They had stores in, in New York, and uh, so they wanted a flagship store, and uh, so they approached us, and uh, we were looking at, putting a store in, uh, in Tampa anyway, so we had the uh, location all ready to go. And so, uh, you know, we, we hammered out a deal, and so it's a, a licensed boutique is what they call it, um, so uh, that store is called a, a Davidoff, of, Davidoff uh, of Tampa is what we call it. But it's Davidoff of Geneva since nineteen eleven, Tampa. That's the long word. But uh, so that's it but it's you know, it's owned by us, it's operated by us, it's corona cigar. But um, that's why we did it. Um Davidoff is a is a obviously a global luxury brand. Um in the part that I always liked about Davidoff is it started off as a retailer, you know, a, a one guy with a yeah. with a really good shop in mm-hmm. Switzerland. And so um, I've always uh liked the history of that company. And uh we we do really well with luxury brands. Um our our mission on cigars is that you know people only have X amount of time to enjoy cigars. So <coughs> it might well be the, the best cigar that they can <coughs> they can uh that whatever that hour of time is smoke the best one you can. So uh so that store's been real well for us. And uh and again I'd I, I like all the different companies that we're associated with. So um, manufacturers see a, a branding opportunity for them, uh, and with that, you know they're gonna. Uh, there's there's things that they do for the the, the stores that they have their their uh, signs and logos hung on.
0: Oh, r- right on. And then uh, um, uh, next question, and then I got I got uh, uh, someone's coming in right now. But a question I get on the week- yeah yeah I know a question I get on the weekly so Kara's going to take over this question and I tell people please leave me out of it please don't put me in the middle how do and I'm telling you every week every week there is a, a boutique there's somebody reaching out to me how do I get my cigars into Corona cigar how do I get my cigars on on the stores of Smoke In and I tell people I like just leave me out of it I I don't I don't I don't get involved in that like. Reach out to those guys because, like, they're like, "Hey, you, you know Jeff? You know, you, you give me the hookup." I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. You, you know Abe? You just take my cigars down there. I'm like, nope, not going to do that. So, so Jeff, uh, how how do boutiques get on the, uh, the your store shelves?
3: And I'll be like, all right. So for us, the <laughs> I tell a lot of guys that do boutique cigars, um, the timing is important we're the wrong store to launch a brand in because it'll get lost. There's too. we have lots and lots of shelves and lots and lots of cigars on them. And if you're launching a brand, uh, it'll get lost. And if no one's ever heard of it or seen it, or if it hasn't broken that threshold of, uh, you know, it used to be, you know, you'd have to get rated in cigar aficionado with a good rating. Otherwise no one heard heard about your cigar nowadays with social media and all these different guys that are, that are reading cigars and things you've got to get a certain level of buzz let's call it uh to meet that threshold and so it's it's a hard one and i i tell guys just to be patient keep working your working your brand then you're better off going to the small stores first get it in there work the kinks out of your brand and get some get a following for it and then when the time's right um I think Abe can attest to this too. There's a lot of brands that don't really click until five, sometimes 10 years later. And, and, and that is so hard for people to understand. Mm-hmm. Then get into the cigar business. There are brands that get traction <coughs> literally 10 years later. And so, uh, um, you don't want to be in our store prior to that. Cause what happens is, is if it doesn't sell, it's going to go into the buy one, get one free or the grab bags and your opportunity is gone now. So so that's what I would tell those guys that, uh, you know, for us, it's just there's we come to us later when the brand is established and then we can do it. Now, there are some guys that 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 make a difference in that, Uh, for example, if they're local and can work the shop, then then I'll know that's it in as long as you know, you got to work the brand because no one's going to come in and pick up your cigar. I'm telling you right now, they can walk right past it but they're like, no, I'm going to work the storm. We're going to sell them. We're going to sell. Them. All right, good. We'll bring them in, make sure they sell. And they'll work the brand and they're doing that. So we've had, uh, you know, we've had several brands that have taken look at Z for example, we mentioned Cordoba and Morales. Yeah. He's from Orlando. So when I met Z and a couple other guys said, listen, this guy's good. And, and so, uh, you know, we brought his brands in, he worked the brand, he worked the market, he worked the area. And so it kind of organically grew out of Orlando. Um, there's another one. Howard G Cigars, working it out of Orlando, you know, and and it'll grow from there. But uh, that's the key. But if you're not there to to make your your brand, you know, get that foothold. Uh, if you think, you know, if we order, we make a nice purchase order for you, that's not going to sell though. That's not going to help you. So so that's the thing. I was I would suggest guys to build a strong base in your hometown because you got the t- you got the chance to work it. Work it in your home area, and then grow it from there. And then once it starts getting traction, uh, then then you can hit the, the 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 bigger stores outside the market.
1: Five to ten years, or move to Orlando.
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and, that, and that's what Care special Care. I've been I've been up to South Carolina seeing Care. You know, he really works his local stores. He's great. He goes in. Everybody knows him. Hey, Care. You know, how's it going? And is that you know,
1: regional tri-state area, North Carolina, yeah. South Carolina, get it into Georgia?
0: I yes, mean, it's, it's like simple. it's like being with a rock star when I go in with him, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, yeah, care," you know. So it, it, you're,
3: you're overselling that. So job, yeah, it'd be interesting <laughs> here. Like Abe is Abe is probably got more of an issue. Actually, we started running this. Pro- I don't want to call it a problem. We started running into this situation even more so in Tampa because originally, you know, Orlando is not the hub for for cigar importers or, or makers, Miami and Tampa is. So when we opened up the Tampa store, yeah, we started getting hit a lot more, but what was, what was good about Tampa is that, you know, with with the Jason Newman factory there and American cigars being made there and people wanting cigars that are, that are, that are made in Tampa as well. It's made it a little better for us too. And also it helps if, you know, let's say like, uh, uh, that cigar that the us came out with, um uh you brought it in before me, uh, Abe. And and that cigar is selling for us in our stores, but it, you know, it, if it wasn't for the Olivia being in Tampa to push it, I'm not so sure it would would have would have taken off. So the the Domia anyway, Lydia? Yes.
0: Yeah, great, great cigar, fantastic cigar. Yeah.
3: So and we, Abe, tell me about you you being in South Florida. You probably we, we had we discovered that brand on
2: accident because they came yeah. on KMA. We never even right. knew of that brand, you know. Jeff's 100% right. Being closer to Miami, I mean, literally, we're in an environment where guys who were line cooks last week are making cigar brands, like, next month. (laughs) Um, It's insane. Um, And it's really difficult. It's one of the reasons why I don't like to go to trade shows, and Jeff could probably tell you. Um, One of the reasons why, you know, I, I used to be able to walk the floor and do whatever I wanted 10, 15 years ago. And now I can't even take a pee at a urinal without somebody trying to sell me something. And it becomes disheartening in a way where like, you know, you just can't viably sell every brand. I'm not, I'm not at that level yet. I mean, there are probably a a handful, four, maybe three or four companies. that could do that. We're, We're just not at that level yet. We could sell every brand. So what really dictates what we carry is the consumers. If my base, the people who follow us, our fans, our clientele, show an inkling to a brand, we will bring it in. Because ultimately, that's what dictates what we carry. What we carry is not what I like always, because my tastes are subjective to my my what I like. But I'm not in the business, and I don't make a living on what I like. I make a living on what my consumers like. So we're always trying to listen and watch whether it's in Facebook groups or via emails or correspondence, what our consumer base is really interested in. Um, There are, you know, Jeff's really hit it spot on. You really got to get to a point where you have some kind of relevance because the bigger you are, the more you have to offer, the harder it is for a new company because they get lost in the mix, right? I bring in a new brand, I throw it in, in my humidor or or our website and it just gets lost in a a plethora of of many different brands so it makes it hard for them and when i bring in a brand my goal is ultimately to have success for that company and our relationship i don't want to bring in a brand that's just going to fail um there are companies that get it right off the bat because we have tools whether it be our cigar of the month or kma talk radio or or a connoisseur club or the Great Smoke, we have vehicles to help propel a brand into some kind of notoriety. And the more willing a company is to be involved in that, to help their own growth, the more we'll work with them. Like, I mean, a perfect example for us personally is McAuliffe. You know, McAuliffe, these guys are are, are Uber intelligent, right? These guys are like Microsoft company people, super smart, learning the cigar game, but make a good quality product. And I love the way they, they work. They do things with such um, thought and process of in, in cognizance of what's going on and what's the plan. You know, we started working with them recently, very recently, like a couple months ago. And they found a lot of success in our, in our business and our clientele. Um, so when we find a company like that, that has the vision and, and, and able to work we will take a chance on stuff like that, you know, we'll work with companies like that. Um, But some companies don't get that way. And then, you know, Jeff, Jeff knows it better than anybody. He's been around as long as I have and bigger than I have, you know, we get beat up all the time to bring in brands and it gets very demoralizing. I have a hard time at trade shows telling people, "Yeah, see my buyer, see, it's very depressing, but um, there are companies that really know how to work it. look, as a new cigar company, there's a certain level of responsibility you have upon yourself to be able to know how to market yourself and promote yourself in the world. If you don't know how to do that, it's very, it makes it harder for any retailer. Forget Jeff or myself or anybody else. If you don't know how to do that as you're, on your own as a company, it makes it very hard to bring that brand in. So it, it it's a balance. But at the end of the day, you know, Our humidor and what we offer, whether it's in the warehouse or e-commerce or in our stores, is dictated by the consumers. So to any new cigar company, if you don't know how to reach the consumers to create that demand, then to come to me and tell me you make the greatest cigar possible doesn't really have an effect because at the end of the day, I don't run a museum. Jeff and I don't run museums. We run stores that we want product that people want to buy. And if you haven't if you don't work to create that ambiance, that image of people out there wanting to buy this brand, it's very hard for us just to do the work for you. So, you know, that's that's really the where that stands.
0: Now, now Jeff, you, you talked about, like, local brands that, that are able to come in and work the stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and a question for both of you, um, do, do you allow um, reps or brokers to come in? whenever they want do they are, are they allowed to come in talk with the employees um work with the employees or do they schedule appointments or so how how does that work you know with, with you with z when he is he allowed to come in whenever he wants talk with your employees you know inform them or is it a little bit more structured
3: it's a little more structured i mean he can come in a start anytime or even just hang out and smoke cigars but i'm saying like you know when he started he's he's was at a table rolling the cigars and you know what i'm saying so he's a live cigar roller and he's in promoting his brand so uh, that's obviously promoted and scheduled but uh, but you know reps can come in anytime and, and do like a, a uh, obviously we want them coming in talking to the staff because educating on the product um but yeah you can do something as easy as a cut and light type of thing um you know just pushing your brand so so if the cigar is on the shelf of course, your anything you can do to help sell it is is welcomed.
0: Okay. What What about you, Abe? Uh, are our reps brokers welcome anytime coming in? Talk to your employees, or do they need to like talk to you first? I want to come in and just chat.
2: You know, I, I have an operations guy, and the rule of thumb is: look, we, we want reps to be involved. In fact, we find the greatest the brands that have the greatest amount of success are the reps that are most involved in our retail shops. With our clientele so you know and i'm sure jeff will tell you when you have e-commerce and you have retail there's two different philosophies and practices that go into a place for stuff like that so for our retail shops we welcome them we want them to get involved we want them to know our clientele base and you know the ones that really work that really have the most success in the stores um we don't deter them we don't we don't tell them not to come to the shop we want them involved um obviously like Jeff, there's a structure. So, you know, you know, they, they visit our pretty much our headquarters first and then kind of schedule the ancillary stuff at our other locations. But we want them to be involved with the client base. The guys who come and work the stores on the retail level, on the store level, the guys who come and work the stores and show a presence and you actually get to know the clientele, honestly, long term, have the most success success. Right,
0: right on um jeff i know i know we're running uh short on time here uh one thing i recently just found out about and i need to know where this is at and and where we will where we will see it again um this is the the lake county corona cigar lake county chopper that yeah. has that has a built-in humidor yes. like if so someone someone Ooh. sent me this and i'm like they're like ask jeff where this bike is at Jeff, so where, that's where,
3: where is where is this bike? That's in Daytona at Big Tony's Chop Shop. So we used to have it in our stores, but that thing is like it's 10 and a half feet long.
0: Yeah, I so think you got it right on. I think it was like yeah, 10 feet six inches. It,
3: yeah. Yeah, so it's 10 and a half feet long. So it takes a lot of space. And then uh, you know, if you're trying to move it in and out, things end up getting dinged up. So it's at a friend of mine's place over there in Daytona, Big Tony's Chop Shop. So, uh, is, yeah, is it a, on display or is it just, just, being he's got it on display there? with, he's, he's got a display there with oh. other bikes too. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so that was built by a local guy in 2005, uh, called Lake County choppers. Yeah, he's no longer, he had a, he had a, a health issue. So they're no longer in business, but yeah, that bike was a lot of fun. Um, and, and, and I wish it was a business. Cause all I got to do is say, he's got, I got great things to say about him. He did everything he said he was going to do. And it was a new business too. So, uh, um, you know, when you have a new businesses, I want to do this, this and this. And, you know, they don't always deliver on what they say, but that guy delivered on everything he said. And that that no. bike is a freaking hoot to, to, to uh, ride because it's loud. It's loud and it's powerful. But, uh, yeah, so but it doesn't hold a lot of gas. That's the problem. Because that, the Hummer's yeah. in the middle, yeah, and it uses a lot of gas too. Because <laughs> when I ride it, man, I get on it. I like the sound of it, right? I like to see the blue flames come out of those short little pipes. Yeah. So uh, it only does that at wide open throttle. So that's the way we'd hit it. But uh yeah, it, you can only <laughs> literally it, it, every 15 miles you need to go find a gas station. <laughs> so so you so you
0: still own the bike. It's just oh, on yeah. display somewhere else.
3: You want to go ride it? You can go there and ride it. Yeah. No, that tent. <laughs> 10 if, and half if, feet. If people, you go
1: 16 yeah. miles, Kevin, you can smoke a cigar while you wait for AAA to bring you yeah. gas.
3: Yeah, <laughs> people—it's—it's yeah. it's not that hard when you're going straight. It's—it's it's, yes. the length is more difficult in your turns. That, but that going is straight people, yeah. is freaking great. So yeah, because well, it's
0: got like a three hundred rear tire. So I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's it's perfectly straight. But yeah, people don't—they don't realize <laughs> ten, a ten foot long bike. That yeah. is a nightmare. That is a nightmare yeah. to turn. Abe, you never, you never did a bike, a car, anything like that.
2: Look, um, whether he wants to acknowledge it or not, Jeff's been one of my mentors in my career, one of the guys I've looked up to, and and, and you see how how things are done. Sometimes I've I've gone to Jeff for many times for advice. Um, we've given away a lot of cars, and um, we get away a Harley, a couple of three or four cars over time. Um, we kind of don't hold on to anything like that. So uh, we don't have like a company one. Um, but whether it be the Hummer that he first made, I don't know. How long ago did you make that Hummer? 2003, and I still drive it every day. So originally right.
3: it was totally wrapped. It was a total, it was a running billboard. Right. It did a great job until the until the wrap, literally I left it on too long. It looked like uh, you know crinkled up tinfoil from
2: where it was, where, if, where it baked you- on. If you're any intelligent business person, I don't care what industry you're in, you'll always look at the greats, right? You want to figure out, you know, what they did, how they did it. Can we do it differently? Can we do it in another way? And, you know, just from one of those guys in my my career, I'm just going to admit it, you know, that I've looked at because Jeff was a, a pioneer in his time. And, you know, we, we've we looked at him and he's a guy who I've been able to call and ask for advice at times and his wife has been very helpful to us and um you know there's nothing wrong with that i believe in that and and i try to pass that on to people who reach out to me now there's other retailers who will reach out to us and want advice and and i try to pass that on the way that it was given to me in my career so um no we don't have a standing item like that in fact since we opened the warehouse we've been looking to get like a sprinter in fact (laughs) Tanya was one of the ones that kind of helped us look we we're looking for like a Ford Sprinter or transit for the warehouse. We already have the wrap design made. Um, unfortunately, the one Sprinter that they found for us is diesel. And my one argument was listen. One of my guys is eventually gonna put regular unleaded gas in that. And it's gonna be- <laughs> like the first month. It's just gonna happen, you know. Abe,
3: they make great big green stickers that say uh, diesel fuel only. Yeah, yeah. Listen,
2: when you employ 130 people, you gotta know. Somebody's not gonna follow the rules. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. that
0: Chevy still makes a van. People don't realize that Chevy still been, makes a cargo van. Listen,
2: the car market is upside down. We've been looking yeah. for this nice little, like, yeah. like a Sprinter or a Transit or something like that that we could use for our warehouse. We are, like, like I said, we already have the wrap designed. Um, but I, re- I literally reached out to Tanya and she hooked me up with a dealer who found me a Ford, uh, a Mercedes Sprinter, but like it was only diesel. I'm like, uh, I just don't trust any of my guys. Someone eventually is going to put regular unleaded because I actually researched it, and an unleaded pump will fit in the tank. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. Yes. Yeah. So if that's the case, someone eventually will screw that whole engine up. But <laughs> know. Um, you know, we don't have anything currently. But Jeff's literally one of those guys who's a pioneer in the industry. Industry. Um, no one, in my opinion, uh, as far as on the retail level, has worked harder for our industry as far as. Uh, legislation and lobbying. Um, he's a guy I have utmost respect for him and his whole family. And um, you just, just, you know, if you're any kind of guy in a businessman, that's the kind of guys you want to look to. You want to look to people like that that you could learn from and grow from and become better for. So, you know, just wanted to share that with you, Jeff. Thank you, you know, <laughs> I appreciate that. But but that Sprinter van, just to let
3: you know, p- put the order in and wait for it then, because you, you you definitely need one. And here's the other thing. When I got that that hummer and I wrapped it, there is a trade-off to this. And one of the things that um, people have said is that no one's going to promote your brand as much as you, right? So you got to be you got to be willing to promote your brand all the time. But there is you do sacrifice. You know, you could have somebody follow you home because they're you know yep. looking at the truck, and next thing you know, somebody's wanting to rob you at a stop sign or something. So you know that you, you you lose some privacy on that, and you and you definitely have to be a very good courteous driver when you're driving that on the road? You <laughs> I, who's that asshole that just cut I, me off or, I, I, i'm mean?
0: telling you right now in the last two months i have called no less than five times on various companies on my way to work 6 30 in the morning zipping in and out of traffic yeah. 90 and a 45 and then i'll, I'll meet them in a red light take a little picture <laughs> how is my driving and i'll i'll wait till like nine o'clock and i'm like hey I don't know who this was, but there's no reason, you know, big old company name plastered along the side, you know. Yeah, so
3: when you do that, Abe, just make sure that, you know, when people try to make a, you know, a right hand turn, you stop and let them out because (laughs) (laughs) they're going to look at you because some people already think everybody smokes a cigar is an asshole anyway, you know, so it's like they Mm -hmm. see the cigar thing, so. So you want to you want to change their viewpoint on that? We're the nice True. guys. That,
0: that, that's True. it. Now, now, Abe, you had talked about uh, uh, you know you'd reach out to Jeff a couple times. Now, is there something that that Jeff has done, you know, uh, in, in the past, or it's, and you're like, damn it, he got me on that. Like that's something I wish I would have done. And Jeff, the same thing with with Abe. But Abe, I'm sure uh, is it is it the catalog? Do you wish you had a catalog like because Jeff's got a kickass catalog.
2: No, I, I really don't look at things that way um, yeah. on a personal level. I mean, actually, I actually had conversations with Jeff about a catalog. I think he literally advised me, "Don't do it." <laughs> you know, really? Okay, well, it's
3: too yeah. late to start. That's my point because I started with a catalog in 1996, and okay. times have changed. And so I said, you know, really, it, it if you're this far into it, there's no need to because you know it, it's just not what it used to be as far as printed catalogs, but, but I, I will say, I remember when Abe yeah. called me about having a bar and he called me about the liquor license. And I told him, I said, listen, the bar, there you go. I said, I said, Abe, the I bar you. Is, <laughs> there you go. I said, I said, the bar is real important, but there's there, a lot of people don't realize the headaches. So just be prepared. And so, because you, you know, the worst thing is, is when somebody gets into a business and only sees the glory, but not the, not the bad side of it. And I said, you know, just be prepared because there anything and everything you think that can crazy that can happen in a bar can and will. So, you know, and 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 those phone calls happen at eleven o'clock and midnight and two AM, you know. So yeah. but 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 I'm a f i am I will tell every retailer out there, I think if, if you have the ability to have a bar with the cigar store, you, you need to have it or you should have it. You shouldn't be it's you know, a lounge costs you money if you're not selling beverages to go with that space and that's the key. So, you know, but unfortunately, a lot of, I feel bad because there's a lot of great retailers out there and they, you know, the laws in their community don't allow you to sell drinks and, but yet you, you still have to pay the rent for people to sit there. So that's when it gets tricky. So, so yeah, you know, anyway, I I always try to tell the good with the bad.
2: (laughs) What most people don't realize Jeff is the Bo Jackson and, and, Deion Sanders of the cigar industry. He's one of the very few people who has broken the threshold in two different industries. People don't know this, but Jeff is like the premier, like the premier liquor account for most of these distributors in the country. Like he's the number one resource. So he's not just done it in cigars. He's done it in liquor as well. We are nowhere near. We have bars in our stores and we have decent bars, but nowhere delivery the caliber of what Jeff is doing in his bars. And, and that's a testament to what Jeff does. What people don't realize in this industry is, and, and you know, there's been a lot of drama in the past couple of weeks. Um, but what people don't realize is the truth is this industry is a very helpful industry. You know, if you ain't a cocksucker and just an out and out lying, conniving, maniacal person. This industry is very, very giving. Um, Jeff has many times throughout his career offered me advice and help and and you know and and unlike other places, we're in the same backyard, kind of, we're in the same state, you know. Um, and you know, that's one thing about this industry that I always find loving is that everybody's really kind of giving. And if you don't get that, you're really not in this industry as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, Jeff is one of those people who is Carter's own path, but yet when guys like myself and I, I don't know who else he may have dealt with in his career or his time have reached out to him, whether it's him or Tanya, they've always been giving to, to, to help out and give guidance. And I, I try to now to continue that when people have ever reach out to me, um, who want guidance because I, I just think that's the way life is supposed to work. You know, I mean, call me silly, but I just think that's the way it goes. So when True. when somebody reaches out to me, I never want to shun them. And it happens more often than you think, whether it be a guy who's already been in the business for a while or a guy who's just thinking about getting in the business. I never try to discredit that and just try to give them my two cents for whatever it's worth because when I've been in that situation, whether it's guys like Jeff or Jim Colucci or Sal Fontana or, or Lou Rothman, many of the guys who I've been blessed with to have relationships with, they were never hesitant to give me advice and help. I mean, I'll never forget one time I, talk, I, I called Lou Rothman early in my career. And I said, look, I want to start doing these kind of samplers. We just got in the online business or whatever. And, you know, I just need a couple, a little bit of this, and a little bit of that to help make some samplers. And he sent me enough shit that lasted me like three years. Like <laughs> I was in a heart attack, you know, because his scale of perspective, a perspective was he had no idea how small we were and he thought he was just sending me a little <laughs> bit of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm like, Lou, can, can I pay you over th- like three or four months? I mean, was, I was so embarrassed by the, the, the situation, but no one has ever been hesitant to be helpful to me, whether it's Jeff or Lou or Jim or Sal or any of these guys in my career. And I try to pass that on. And any, anybody who really doesn't get that in this industry and as far as I'm concerned, is really not in this industry.
3: Well, well, Abe. One thing I think that's important is that I look at the industry as it's a it's a nationwide industry, right? And the guys that go to your shop, go to our shop, go to Chicago, go to LA. We're, you know, they they travel around. And the one thing I really don't like seeing is that guys that um, have money want to open this a store. I don't want to see them lose their lose a bunch of money. Right. They're doing it as a hobby. Yeah. And so try to, you know, coach them or lay it out here. If you want to do this, this and this, and it'll work and you'll be surprised. There's some guys that have really done good. And, uh, uh, like industrial cigar in Texas, these guys have done good. And, uh, you know, so there's certain people that you'll, that'll ask questions. You'll tell them what, what, what works, what doesn't and how we've dealt with some problems like they're dealing. And, you know, there's, 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 there's quite a few guys that, that, uh, that i i really like talking to and and anything i can do to help you know and so because i think that's critical because the industry is better when we have a lot of i think every every city should have a fort and that's when i say a fort the fort for cigar guys you know what i mean because if we lose it's almost like politics right if you lose a city or lose a state where there's no like Republicans there or whatever, it's it's all one party. Um, it's not good. So we need to make sure that we've got a, a, you know each. It's Chicago. There needs to be a damn good cigar shop there. Denver. There's got to be a good cigar shop because if there's not, think of these guys that move around. That's part. That's a big pocket of the country that's not represented by what we do. Oh, yeah. So so that's why it's important to have really good shops or good fortresses, I call them, cigar fortresses throughout the country because we're all in the same boat, right? And the better that our stores are, the more resilient we are when the bad guys come after us, the, you know, the guys that want to do these crazy taxes or make where you can't smoke People inside the cigar shop. People don't realize
2: shops. how very little amount of really cool, like A-class, B-class cigar shops there are in the country. It's such a small number they don't even realize. I mean, there's more c stores in just Manhattan. There, are, there are premium cigar shops in the whole country, right? You know? And, and we are, need it. Right. So, so,
3: we need a strong network of that, so that when these issues come up, you know, we got to have a good presence throughout the country. And so, so that's why I, I like to, to, I love to see great, uh, great cigar stores and, and, and operators throughout the country. And it's, and it, you know, it's, it's a mutual benefit for all of us. Now, and it now, can be done too. It, by the way, it can, and that's the thing is, is if with if you do it right, you, it can it can work for anybody. It, it's as long as you uh, you're you know if we're in Hawaii where you can't have the or Chicago where you can't have the the the, the drinks with the cigars, it makes it tougher, right? Mm-hmm. It, but 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 there's some shops that are still making it. But imagine how much better they could be if they could actually sell those drinks to their customers instead of being a BYOB.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and in our county, Sarasota County, we haven't added a new liquor license in three years. Three years we haven't added one new liquor license. And uh I know, you know I just I'm, bought one. Did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a, a friend, a friend of mine that owns a local lounge, and he said, like, there's one up for sale right now, and it's seven hundred thousand wow, know, dollars.
3: I got for, a good deal. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, so and, and, and Jessica, we were just at a, a Davidoff last week and, uh, and, and, and Jessica actually said, because it was like 1030 in the morning, people were just coming in and leaving with bottles. I'm like, are they buying liquor? And I'm like, yeah. And it was literally one after another yeah. Yeah. bottle of liquor, bottle of liquor bottle of liquor and i'm like how do you yeah here. but
3: that's because we just had a special limited edition barrel that landed that's why oh, okay when you see that because you know we do a lot of single barrel uh, uh bourbons and stuff and and uh there's only you know there's there's a shortage on that right and so and we get really we we, we get really good whiskey so uh so yeah that's why you were seeing that but i will say this tampa versus orlando abe i have no idea what it's like down where you are but Tampa people drink early in Tampa. A, <laughs> they do. There's a noon time people are drinking.
0: I was drinking at 10 a.m. I walked. Yes. As, soon, as soon as your bartender showed up, I'm like Bacardian Diet, please. Uh, and you I, you probably had, weren't the only one. Coffee. What's that? I had coffee. Yeah, Jessica <laughs> had, had, had coffee, coffee, and then of course, you know, your bartender comes in. I forget her name, Jeff, but she's always in there. She's always super friendly. She said hi to me, and I'm like, and, and Jessica's flipping me off right now, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm like, hi. Oh, and, 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 voice and, and, change. Yeah, she, she's I like she's changed. like, why, why did you why why did you say it that way? And then I'm like, what? And she's like, you said hi, like your voice. I'm like, I don't know. She's friendly. I like her. Yeah, she's your not.
3: voice got really high pitched. I was like yeah it's uh so yes don't worry yeah. you, you've got you've got a, an attractive husband and that's a good thing oh,
0: okay. yeah so 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 jeff uh, you bought a liquor license in sarasota county
3: yeah yeah we Did? we were fortunate to get one because liquor licenses okay. are, are few and far between but so, uh, so that means you're you're coming a little further south yeah we've got uh, a store that's going to be opening up in downtown sarasota
0: oh really when, when is that
3: Whenever we get the, all the permits, the government works real slow right now. By the way, so, okay. Did, did, so a lot of people need to realize that that when you see these projects for new restaurants or businesses and stuff that are taking forever, it's because the government right now is still working as if there's a lockdown. The rest of the economy's humming around, but I'm telling Abe, I don't know what kind of hassle you had trying yep. to open your warehouse. But yep. It is bullshit. It is absolute bullshit. We had it took us a year just to remodel some bathrooms in our Sand Lake store. These yeah. guys are nursing the COVID thing so bad, they're, they're That's what's holding everything up. So yeah, yeah, we're we're getting ready to put a, a cigar
0: lounge on the house. You know, Abe, I, th- I mm-hmm. thought it was funny you said your first your first shop was 900 square feet. We're getting ready to put a 550 square foot lounge <laughs> right. on our house just just so we could smoke and film in. We filed for the permits in May, yep. like May, and like literally two weeks ago, they finally just got approved. And that's just for an addition on our house. That's that's not even for construction. So I Welcome can't wait. Sarah. To
2: Welcome to post COVID.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So so mm-hmm. Jeff, do
3: you know whereabouts Sarasota that you're looking? Yeah, uh, right downtown, downtown across. It's right what? across from Whole Foods. He
2: he told you oh, downtown. Did he? Yeah, you were Yeah, we're oh, okay. sure. Le, Let the
3: Le table was.
2: Love oh, Avenue. Okay. I love Chris's commentary
0: off. I, I know. You got a lot I, of I,
1: pressure I, there, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I, I know. I know right where that's at. That's awesome. So we'll have a, a, a Corona lounge while we'll, we'll get to do lives now. So it's, yeah. it's awesome. You know, it's, it's right, right around the corner from us.
3: So, um, so, so Abe, do people drink
2: down at West Palm at, at noontime or no? Um, Mm, our bars, do we serve some liquor at noon? Maybe some beer and some whatnot. But the, I think the hardcore drinking happens like after three p.m. Yeah, p.m. that's the way it is in Orlando too. But Tampa, the Abe style just—it's it, just <laughs> like when, when,
3: when I go, when I go down to Abe, you know, like <laughs> it's it's never too early, except twice. Twice
0: Abe or Abe was out of Bacardi. Like, like I was so concerned last like when I was down there last month like I almost brought my own bottle like just in case because well, like, I got I got the, the nervous
2: liquor, the industry the liquor industry like mm-hmm. the cigar industry has been very short on product yeah. I just yeah. I, I had two bottles on my desk earlier which I'm taking home and I called my uh, office guy my my buyer I'm like we got like no Macallan in the was like dude we can't get any you know it's like it's it's uh, we're experiencing the same stuff on the bar side that we are on the cigar side. Yeah. It's going to get worse. Wow.
0: Yeah. So, so one one last question before we let you guys go. Um, what? What? We'll start with Jeff. What makes you happiest? Like, what? Like, when, when are you? When are you happy? Like, like the happiest of your life? Is it? Is it on the farm? Is it at home? Is it smoking a? You know, in, in the lounge?
3: It's real easy when my kids are smiling. <laughs> I, I i spending time with my kids and and uh that is like there were you gotta understand after i got done with lymphoma I, I they told me i probably couldn't have any kids so so in having kids later in life was like uh man and and I'm fortunate man I'm lucky you know tanya is such a good mother that you know she's my kids are freaking listen. You know what I'm saying? All she has to do is shout their name, and they, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. They, they so, so they, uh, they still got that great respect for parents and and, and for for adults. And uh, so, no, that's that's the happiest. Uh, uh, you know, you and, and I told Abe when he had his son. I was like, listen, man, life's gonna change too because it's just so cool. You're gonna see. I kind of, you know, Abe, Abe was outnumbered for a long time <laughs> and my household still, was, outnumbered. Exactly, <laughs> he's outnumbered, but I mean, he was like really outnumbered. Right. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm, whereas Tanya's is outnumbered in my household. So, you know, we get monster trucks or whatever kids, you know, they like the, the stuff that I liked as a kid or even as an adult. So, so that's, that's uh, that's, my favorite thing.
0: Now, now, Abe, I I know one of the the happiest times I've seen you um, is you were actually doing a, a, a live. I think you 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 came in one of the uh, uh, the whereby rooms and you're in your pool, and then like your son is just going ape shit in the background. He's a he's an airplane just going around the back of the pool and just I remember the I still and this is like six months ago. Like the look on your face, you were just. So happy like this is this is my son. Is is that is that when you're the happiest as well?
2: Jeff stole my thunder. I mean, without a a doubt, um, I've always said that my children are my greatest accomplishments in life. Um they're incredible, I love them, spending time with them, all of them, and they're all so different. I have four kids, I have three daughters and a boy, and they're all completely, utterly different. (laughs) Similar at the core, but so different on the outside and who they are. And um, my best moments in life is with them. You know, there's no better moment when I'm in in our living room and I'm on the couch and all four of them are piled up on me. And we're watching a movie, you know, that's like the best moment ever. Um, Yeah, I. you know, the family, look, work is work and we do it and we love it. We love what we do. I don't think Jeff or I could do what we do every day unless we really love what we do, which we do. But my greatest fulfillment, I'm pretty sure it's the same for Jeff, is what we built with our family. Um, my kids are, I love them. We're the type of family, like if my wife and I go on a vacation and we go without them for whatever reason, like we, we've cut our vacation short because we've missed our kids. You should have um, took them with you. We should have <laughs> them with us. Listen, that's the advice that Jeff gave me early on. Take them with you, everywhere. Yeah, yeah,
0: rent an um, RV. Take them with you. Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, uh, they're, they're awesome. They're the highlight of my day. Um, and I'm, I'm very proud of them. I made me, you know, probably a product of my father. I don't tell them enough. Um, they're all amazing individuals in their own right. And... Um, that's that's pretty much the highlight of my day. I I, I love making lunches for them. I love <laughs> you know I, I make I, I get up early and I make school lunches for them because I don't want them eating school food. Um, and I try to be involved with them as much as I can. In fact, my daughter, my oldest daughter, has a, a recital tomorrow that we got to go to. Um, it, it's just a highlight. I <laughs> mean, everything else is as far as I'm concerned, and probably jump to it, it's ancillary. It's part of life. It's what we have to do it's the work we do and we love what we do, but to be able to have a family to come home and who, who to have this unfiltered love and interaction with on a daily basis. For me, that's the most fulfilling thing every day.
3: So real quick though. So what I thought was one of the coolest experiences that was in, and, and probably most of the people that watched your, uh, your great smoke uh, virtual thing was when Petra was playing the violin. that was just oh, absolutely amazing. And, uh, and, and, the thing is, everybody got to see her playing the violin and how good she is, but, you know, Abe doesn't let these kids play on Xbox and do all that other stuff. These kids are talented, and that's, and it's like, you know, I was thinking about that today, Abe. I was like, you know, that's why your your kids know how to play the piano and the, and the violin and everything else. I'm like, you know, how many kids would learn how to do this stuff just through that Xbox out? Well, but anyways... Well, People make fun of me.
2: I'm a firm believer in that. There's no like electronics in my house. My kids don't have access to PlayStation, Xboxes, Wii's, and stuff like that. But they draw, they they do music, they they interact, they read, and um that great smoke, I, I tell you, it was I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It was really an unbelievable moment for me because that was a last minute thing, you know. Alan Goldfarb, who happened to be a musician and traveled with um, Johnny Depp and you know, b- had been a roadie for years, had talked about I-, I sent him, I think, something of Petra doing on a piano one day or a violin. And he joked about it. I'm like, well, let's just do this for the Great Smoke. And Alan, who is my uh, Fuente JC Newman rep, literally came to my house like every day for two weeks and he rehearsed with Petra and they did those two skits. And my father, who was there at the Great Smoke, who didn't know my daughter was playing, and I'll tell you a funny story real quick you know, there was only 45 or 50 people that were in the live audience during the digital Great Smoke that we did earlier this year. And, you know, when, when it was a seven and a half hour broadcast, so two and a half hours into it, you kind of saw everybody who was sitting there. And I saw this young lady walk in and everybody was around her, everybody's watching her. And I'm like, who the fuck did my people let in to this event <laughs> wasn't here? I didn't even recognize it was my daughter. I remember what <laughs> outfit she was wearing, and they had makeup doer. And everybody's around her talking to her. And I'm, 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 I'm on stage with Michael Herklotz, and I'm seeing this out of the corner of my eye, and I'm kind of a little bit upset saying they let somebody in who wasn't really a ticket holder because they hadn't been here for the prior two and a half hours. And I realized it was my daughter. I'm like, holy shit. And um, not only was I so proud, and my father was so proud – it was great for her because, you know, the problem when you, when you have kids do things whether you know, my kids play tennis, they do violin, they do, viol- you know, piano. When they work hard at something day in and day out, you, they have to have some kind of fruit for their labor. And for my daughter, that was kind of like her moment of fruit. You know, she felt so special being involved in that and knowing that people, tens of thousands of people watch that segment all over the country and the people there live, it was, I was very proud in that moment that I was able to provide her that moment of fruit for all her many years of hard work of doing it. So, yeah, I mean that, that for guys like me and Jeff, I mean that, that, that's our thing, man, our kids and our family. Well, that, that's
3: well here's a good, good story. So Abe was over, I don't know, last year with his family and we have Avos piano in our house so my kids struggle playing chopsticks. His kids, both of his daughters come in. They just start doing all kinds of fancy piano playing. I'm like, man, you know, maybe we should throw that Xbox out.
0: <laughs>
3: well, well they now, um, Jeff, I
0: just saw yesterday they have the virtual reality goggles. And then uh, you yeah. learn to play piano. And it's like a, um, a guitar hero. So you sit down at a real piano. You put on the virtual re- and it has all the little things and it'll teach you how to play.
3: Yeah, oh, that's the Oculus thing. My, my my wife has one and my son, and I'm like, you know, take those off. That's Mark Zuckerberg's way that... of doing that freaking Total Recall <laughs> on you. We're going to <laughs> – <laughs> that, that, that
0: is. But now they can learn to play Avo's piano.
3: Yeah, by that's by the now. hook later when they make you a vegetable. But anyway, yeah, that's that, that, <laughs> a whole other yeah, conversation. That's a whole that's nother.
0: So, all right, guys. We want to thank you for coming on, spending over two hours of your of yeah, Monday great. night with us. We we had an absolute blast, and it was uh, super fun. So, thank you, um, thank thank you for just being friends. You know, of, of just Jessica and I. I I, I say it. I, I wouldn't be sitting here without you two guys. I, I really wouldn't. Well, didn't, a, didn't
2: you know Abe's adopting me because I yeah, want those lunches. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I, I know. <laughs> but whenever I don't see him, Abe, Jessica sends me a screenshot of Abe's lunches. So, um, so really, th- thank you very much for for being uh, just great supporters of ours.
3: Well, you're great. kicking butt and you're doing a great work and and uh, I recognized that when I first met you, so I'm not surprised. So good job there. And, uh, Jessica, thanks for, for, uh, helping your husband be on the other side of that camera. You know, <laughs> yeah. we know you're, we know you're yeah. helping him.
0: So. Yes. And then, uh, Jeff, yeah. Uh, remember, send me that info on that new cigar and then uh, yeah. we'll get that. We'll start, we'll start promoting that. Um, so Abe, thank thank you, man. As always. No, man.
2: Thanks for having us on, man. We, 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 you guys are great. What the work you're doing, Jess, everybody, it's awesome. And it's, it's an honor to have been on the show. More so to be on with my dear friend, Jeff, who, like I said, has been honestly somebody I've looked up to and and watched over the many, many years. So this was a great experience and stuff like this is very cathartic. So it was <laughs> good, it was good for the soul. So thank you very much. Thank you,
0: guys. Thank you
1: guys, you guys it. have
0: a, you guys have a good night. Have a good night. guys. All right. Cheers. Take care. See Bye. You. Bye. Thank you. J.C. Newman Cigars, Cigar Medics, Amendola Cigars, Simpler Hair and Beard Color. Great Lake Smoke Show, Excelsior Tobacco, La Aurora Cigars, Corona's Cigars, and, of course, True Estate and Experience Acid. Care? Would you like to leave anybody with anything?
1: Yeah. Life is short. Find a buddy and sit down and enjoy a cigar. Perfect.